What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and today I am joined by a number of people. You could say that it's a hive of villain scum on here. So, let's start with who have I got? I've got Dave Horrocks, Chris Phelps, and Mike Burton. These are friends from other podcasts, and I'm going to drop them straight in the deep end to give some plugs. So, let's start with you. Dave, where are you from? Tell us about yourself and where you're from. (laughs) It feels like a game show. So. It is. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm aiming for, eventually. So. Thanks for having me on. It. <laughs> it's great to be on. So I'm across from the Comics in Motion and the VHS Strikes Back as well. So we do podcasts. I'll, I'll focus on the Comics in Motion one first, so, and I'll let Chris talk about the VHS Strikes Back. So what we do there is we like to focus on movies and TV shows. We used to say games, but we didn't have time to do those. So we just focus on those kind of properties that that are based on comics. And then uh, sometimes loosely, um, we'll just talk about that. And then I'll talk a little bit about the the comics background, you know, and how that maybe differs from uh, the movie or the TV show. And then I'll get Chris to talk about the movie and TV show as well. Excellent. Thanks, Dave. And Chris, and you're going to tell us about VHS Strokes Back. Yeah, well, the VHS Strikes Back is uh, probably one of my favourite podcasts out mine and Dave's back catalogue because I get to throw Dave under the bus with making him watch some absolutely <laughs> terrible and awful movies. So if you want to you know, get into that, and we, it's basically from about 2005 backwards, and we have a back catalogue of some absolute classic movies, but we also have some absolutely god-awful shit movies. Uh, and just for reference, we have recently reviewed the 1989 No Holds Barred starring Hulk Hogan. And when I say starred, I mean he just turned up. So uh, if you into that sort of stuff get over there guys i gotta say that was a doozy of a show guys like it was one of those i had to pause i was listening to in the office and i had to pause just to because so i didn't laugh out loud really sort of uh yeah chris it's it's great to see you getting your own back um for, for some of the things you appear to have suffered through but i have to agree to be fair some of the things you feel you've suffered through we're not going to get onto the whole ghostbusters and indiana jones things right now but, <laughs> But it's clearly a sticking point. But yeah, no, thank you guys for no, coming see, on. <laughs> and, and, and we'll get to Mike, sorry to, to jump in, but Chris thinks he's suffered because I've introduced him to classics like mm. Weird Science, mm. Howard the Duck. He'd never seen these things before, and so I, was, I blessed him. Tank Girl as well. I, I gave him the gift of these classics. The girl, you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> well, that would be a different movie. Um, <laughs> I'm, sure it's, I'm sure it's out there. But Chris is inflicting the, the, these no-holes-barred type movies, this no-retreat, no-surrender too, and they are genuinely awful movies. So, you know, but clearly you can see by this little bit, I guess, that we don't often see things exactly <laughs> the same way. <laughs> Yeah, it's a treat, you guys. I really, I really enjoy it. Uh, Mike, as well, though, but Mike Burton is on the line from Genuine Chit Chat. So, Mike, 
Who are you and where Hello. do you come from? Tell us about yourself. <laughs> where do I come from? A loaded question. No. <laughs> um, basically, um, I am a solo host, uh, much like yourself for the most part, Scott. But uh, my show, I have a different guest on every week um, or every episode, really. Um, I've actually had Chris and Dave on the show on episode 63. And uh, Chris have briefly touched upon uh, sort of having loads of podcasts that Chris and Dave have basically done in the past some are alive some are kind of you know dead in the ashes um we actually speak about that and the episode's named the mysterious podcast graveyard because we spend about 40 minutes i think just talking about all the podcast like <laughs> events they've gone through and i didn't even realize it when i had them on my show like, oh yeah it's the guys from comics emotion it was just when vhs strikes back was getting launched and we just got to talk about movies and a few things here and there and everywhere and they used to be in a band as well and you kind of get to know about that sort of stuff and then I didn't really plan about the podcast stuff that much. I knew they had one or two. And then you go through it and it's like, oh yeah, we've got this one. Oh, no, this one. oh you know that sport one you did, Chris? Which sport one? That sport one or the other sport one? Oh no, that's one. Oh, what about the one I did for like 10 minutes? Oh, what the one you did for them? I'm like, here, like, what is happening? Like, it's really good listening, but it's just like, what? So that's kind of like, I was a taster of what the sort of nonsense has in my show. I've had different podcasters on. I've had uh, people for, who are suffering with mental illness and other illnesses and ailments. I've had a blind filmmaker on i've had a guy from the church of satan on i've had like people from all across the world talking about all kinds of different things so if you're the kind of person who likes a bit more of a wide berth i kind of say almost like a more low-key down-to-earth version of joe rogan with episodes that aren't like you know three to four hours long uh, that's what i like to pitch myself as you know the biggest podcaster in the entire world probably but um yeah that's basically just my show I don't think everyone's going to like everything on my show, but the back catalogue is so varied and wide, I'm sure there's something people enjoy. So, yeah, thanks for having me There genuinely is. I've tried out quite a few episodes now, and I really enjoy um, just the diversity, but also, like I say, to some of the tangents that people go on is is really Mm. interesting. So, (laughs) so, yeah, it's good. I recommend it. It's really good listening, actually. And you're right. There will be something for some – everyone will find something on the podcast they will enjoy, definitely. Can I, while we're having a bit of mm. loving, I mean, I'm a massive fan of both the genuine chit chat and 20th century geek. And, and I keep going back and I know Mike hasn't mentioned it, but when he gets the guy from the church of Satan, that that's a particular highlight for me. But I think Scott, one of my favorite recent episodes of yours is when you were going through the, the more recent Terminator mm. movies and you were trying to put together a, a, a plot synopsis and you basically said, I was, I was trying to put together a plot synopsis. And I got to the point and I was like, fuck this plot <laughs> and fuck this film. Yeah, Terminator Genesis. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of the, the fans of the franchise would agree with you there. Yeah. It's interesting because we uh, literally just, just the other night, uh, Brian and I recorded our review of Dark Fate. And uh, <clears throat> he has, we had some really quite varied, uh, varying opinions on 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 that film. Um but we both had sort of quite a lot of agreement about the fact that like Genesis, it has moments, but generally, yeah, fuck that film. I just can't, I can't get any love for it at all. <laughs> no, no, it was like Genesis. Really? Dark Fate, different. I'm not oh, going right. to yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I have, we, we basically end up doing a bit of a script doctor on it. And by the end of it, we think we, we think we came to a better film. I like Dark Fate. I enjoyed it, but I think we got to a better film. Unfortunately, Chris, Dave, the better film that we came to yep. didn't have Arnie in it. Salvation. Yeah, well, no, I, Salvation. I, I will clarify. I haven't seen Dark Fate yet. I want to clarify. I haven't yeah, seen I Genesis either, but I haven't <laughs> seen Dark Fate either. Okay. 
I was going to say, like, I, I looked saw Dark Fate, and I was like, mm, I didn't really watch Genesis, and I don't think it's probably going to be very good. Like, I've I've got kind of mixed. I've Terminator franchise is like very one. Obviously, has Terminator Two, which is you know mm. one of the best films probably ever made, and then you've got Terminator Three, which yeah. is probably one of the worst films I've ever seen. So it's like, yeah, not no, not very good there, is it? But I do want to quickly say, yeah, we're giving each other love. Sorry, Scott. Um, I want to give you love, which is um, I'm going to listen to more of your back catalogue uh, as I sort of go on. But I must say, I've only actually listened to one episode of ten- 20th Century Greek Geek, so I do apologise for that. But number 87, where it's uh, religions and iconography, I think I briefly mentioned in our preamble before the last episode of this amazing collaboration thing we're doing but i just think that episode if any fans of the show haven't actually checked it out with uh, peter laws it is absolutely amazing so i'm going to be listening to a lot more of your sort of back catalogue and i just want to say i really really like your show and i'm going to be listening no, I greatly appreciate more that. and i do I, I will say right here and now i will be sending you peter laws uh contact details so you can have on the show because he is a great guest to have on so um, oh, i look forward to it yeah wonderful thank you you're gonna give us some love as well. Can I just say on, a bit of a confession? <laughs> well, well, I, I try and keep it real. I'll be honest with both of you. I've got you in my back, Cotilla podcasts, but I've not listened to fuck all of your podcasts, and I've been completely honest because I've just not had <laughs> enough you've been time. To all so your own podcasts. You're trying to catch up with your own podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to give you both love because I both think you're absolutely top bloke. And I'm not just saying it because we do this. I think you're both really funny, really nice people. So I need to dedicate and get my arse in game. Instead of fantasizing about a Burt Reynolds moustache and a trans am, I need to get myself sorted out and start listening. So I, I do apologize, guys. Out of context, so that's going to sound like, amazing oh, to the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, only we know what he's on about then. I was like, I was like, pretty certain in Christmas Call we had this whole Burt Reynolds conversation. <laughs> Chris confessed his undying love for Burt Reynolds. I was like, all right. That's, that's, that's the still, mystique of me being on the that's show. What, that's what you bring <laughs> so, so I'd like to demystify it a little bit if I could and just explicitly call out. So Chris, you own a copy, I think, of uh, Playgirl, don't you, with Burt Reynolds in? <laughs> I saw we're recording, Scott. I don't know. This is a spin off episode in itself. So <laughs> it's just my love for that Mustachio man. That's all I'm going to say from yeah, here on in. There's nothing wrong with a bit of man love. That's no. all right. It's a perfectly okay thing. He's a living legend. Wait, not a living He's a living legend. That's a terrible bit of time. He's not a living legend anymore. He's just a legend, sorry. So good old Bert. He's up there in the movie-making uh, clouds in the sky. He now. is a legend. One of my all-time I, I, I heroes. Do like the, uh, the old 70s, early 80s Burt Reynolds films are cracking. But we're not here to talk about, talk about Burt Reynolds' moustache no, or his <laughs> We are together. We have brought a fantastic collaboration together. And we're on, this is part two, to be perfectly honest, isn't it? So... If you want to catch part one, go back and listen to... I think you're going to put it on both streams, aren't you? Comics in Motion and VHS Strikes Back. Yep. We got into great detail uh, about Star Wars A New Hope, and we all had certain things to say about that film. But if you want to hear real details about what we said about the film, go back and check that out. Um, but this collaboration is going to be plowing on forwards. Uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking about the rest of the OG Star Wars trilogy. Uh, on the next episode, uh, we'll be back and we're going to be talking about the prequel trilogy. And then uh, part four, we're going to be joining Mike on Genuine Chit Chat. And we are going to be speculating and ruminating on what is going to be coming with Rise of Skywalker and beyond. Uh, so let's get cracking on this then. Guys, we are going to be talking about the OG trilogy. And uh, I think we'll just work through, um, first off, person by person, is 
more than just a bit, uh, you know, New Hope, the whole first trilogy. What are your thoughts? Where does it sit with you? And uh, Dave, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on the OG trilogy? Uh, we'll come on to the special edition, uh, which came out in 97, maybe a little bit later. But but what it means to me, I, I mentioned on the last episode, you know, the original Star Wars, the one that debuted in 1977, and I replayed it to death on the on the video, first Betamax, then VHS, over and over and over. So if there was one movie from my childhood, it was the original Star Wars. Now, Return of the Jedi was the very first movie I'd watched at the cinema as well. And I, I know I'm the veteran of this group. So, you know, we, we all sort of see it from, from slightly different lenses, but... I, I just remember being stood in a huge line and it, it was, you know, an early kind of, um, I, I guess, you know, the, if I think of the 1989 Batman, you know, that's another example where just everyone was talking about this movie beforehand. And so, you know, as much as the Return of the Jedi gets beaten up, I think because of that whole experience, Every time I watch that movie, I just get washed away with nostalgia and I can't see it totally objectively. Um, so probably like that a bit more. Now, it took me quite a few years after that before I watched Empire Strikes Back. And so I had a huge gap in in that story. Now, the way you get the whole Star Wars crawl coming up, it, it, it takes leaps even in between the in the movies, doesn't it? So I I didn't feel like I was missing out too much, but I don't know if there was any problems with the distribution or whatever with Empire Strikes Back, but you know, for some reason, I just don't think it appeared on the TV that much. But I have to say, a huge fan of that original trilogy, more so than any other kind of franchise. I mean, I, you know, I've, I did love my comics, you know, so I was all into that and into He-Man and Transformers and all of that. But they were all secondary. Star Wars was the the top for me and, and just everything else came after that. Um, and when the special edition edits came along, that was something different. But we'll, we'll get onto that later. One thing I will just mention just before we move on. Uh, I am actually, according to the 2001 <laughs> census in the in the UK, recorded down as an so you actual Jedi. Too. Yeah. So you did do that then. And may the force be with yeah. you too. I remember doing something very similar. <clears throat> yep. 0.7 of the UK uh, is apparently a Jedi, yeah. <clears throat> according to that specific sentence. So, yeah. I think, you know, I, I think uh, I'd now describe myself as a, well as a lapsed us. Jedi at this point. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm a casual Jedi. So, Chris, myself. <laughs> what about yourself? How about, what are your thoughts on the original trilogy? Where does it sit for you in that nostalgia uh, sweet spot? I think it sits quite high in mine. I probably say, and Dave does say, I don't have really much of an exclusive list. I do say quite um, with, without any fear that I have, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen, quite a lot, to be honest. So the, the list is growing every time we watch something I like. But I think for me growing up, obviously me and Dave, there's only a couple of years between us, and my whole 
sort of growing up, I, I was into, like Dave said, Transformers, GoBots, obviously cartoons, stuff like that, uh, He-Man. But Star Wars was always there. I remember saving up and for my birthday one year, I think I mentioned it on the last podcast, I was saved up for the Millennium Falcon. I went into Manchester, bought it. I had uh, I used to play The Empire Strikes Back on the Atari 2600. I'm a massive game, even to this day. I, I, I play hours and hours of gaming across every console for everything. And the Star Wars games have followed me across the Battlefront games, things like that. So, so this trilogy meant so much to me that it, I think until stuff like Back to the Future came out, and, and I'll be honest, I hold Back to the Future higher than Star Wars these days, uh, even though I'll be there watching Star Wars uh, Midnight um, in a few weeks. I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's there, the stuff around my little man cave and stuff of Star Wars and everything. I've got Ray near me and stuff like that. You know, obviously not the proper Daisy Ridley like, but you know, I've got a <laughs> sort of thing, bringing me drinks and that. But uh, but no, it, it means so much to me. And I think the one thing I would say, having gone back and watched them again, and I've not watched the whole trilogy for maybe, maybe two or three years, is as Dave mentioned about this, other cut that came out, I don't rate them as high as the originals. I think the original ones, especially on VHS, had a charm about them, which I absolutely loved. So, yeah, it's, it's something followed me through my family. Everyone loves me in my family. Um, I just think growing up, being 40-odd and being born in 1978, you couldn't not be into them. Obviously, I'm glad I got into them than instead of Indiana Jones, like Scott. But, you know. <laughs> 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 but anyway, yeah, that's where I am uh, with the trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> fair show, fair show. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, although I will mention, did you just say GoBots? Yeah, GoBots. <laughs> yeah, GoBots Transformers. Wow. Do you remember them? Scott? Yeah, no, I do remember GoBots. They were like poor man's Transformers. Yeah, they? yeah. <laughs> and they only said nine kids. What do you expect? <laughs> it's like, it's like, like when you got Duplo the... instead of Lego yeah, yeah. as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had saying that I, just, I had a, not star screen. I had the transformer, the white transformer with the red decals. That was neither a Autobot or a Decepticon. He ended up being an Autobot in the end and, and beating up um, uh, what's he called uh, Megatron. But I can't remember his name. Um, Is it Jetfire? Something like that. That's it. Jetfire. I had yeah. Jetfire, and I, I actually end up breaking it against the wall, and it still to this day haunts me. Then G one Transformer figures. Oh, anyways. That's another, yeah. That was another birthday I saved up for after I got the Millennium Falcon. Disgusting. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, so Mike, you are of a different era to to all of us, really. <laughs> all you're, of us. Yeah. <laughs> the outside. Yeah, yeah that's it. You, you, you're coming in as a, as a, as a damned millennial. I know. And, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm the wrong generation. Uh, that's it. Well, you're a prequeler. So, um, but what, do the, what does the OG trilogy mean to you? I mean, you came at it from a different point of view. You come at it, do you come at it pre or post? Um, special editions. Well, this uh, we'll, I'll get into the the depths of special editions obviously later on. I think we're all going to have a few opinions on that. And I looked up a lot of different things about the special editions because of the special editions. Uh, the the biggest changes and things were ninety seven, and I was born in ninety four. Uh, to make all you guys inside yourselves go, ooh, yeah. um, sorry about that. But um, I've I've got I've got an older brother. He was born in seventy six, and my dad got me into Star Wars a lot. Um, and not to get too deep, but if anyone knows me from the show or anything like that, my dad passed away when I was 19 and I have a Star Wars tattoo to commemorate him, essentially. Um, and basically it's of uh, 
Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting and above it is Darth Vader. So it's a combination of the prequels and the originals, you know, that sort of that moment almost that makes kind of intertwines the two. Um, so Star Wars for me, the reason I mentioned that is because Star Wars for me, not only am I an absolutely massive Star Wars nerd, you know, I read the books and the comics and the games and etc. I know all this stupid amounts of lore. If anyone listened to the last episode, they'll know that I'm the one with a little word. Oh, actually, uh, there is a little bit here that you don't know about that's actually <laughs> canon. So that's kind of my jam. But um it, it means a lot to me because a lot of my childhood, you know, I had the lightsabers and things and playing with Lego and, you know, fighting with my friends in the garden until one of them, normally my mates, gets their knuckles smashed in because I'm a far better swordsman than them. And, you know, my mum moaning at me rather than me, who I, if I was a parent, I'd be like, well, better practice your lightsaber skills, aren't you? But um, <laughs> beside the point in that is, um, yeah, I used to watch them all with my dad, you know, on TV a lot of the time. Um, I think on ITV, like every Friday for ages, and then they would stop the Indiana Jones films to come on for a bit. And then it'll go back to Star Wars. It's just, I just remember this. Uh, my dad showed me all the Star Wars films. Uh, and so I used to watch them all the time with him. Uh, and he passed away before even episode seven was even announced. So for me, the prequels and the originals are really intertwined with that. And as my dad was, God, at now he'd be almost 70. So you could tell he would be, he was a proper the generation of Star Wars, you know, mm. the originals. So we used to talk a lot about the sort of differences there and things. But um, the originals to me, they're kind of this they don't have all my favorite moments in star wars like i would say to be a kind of unbalanced in a sense i think the originals are really really consistent uh i think that the original you know four five and six they're just brilliant throughout generally whereas i think that the prequels not to do this big you know comparative thing but the prequels comparatively i find they're generally lower quality but they have occasional moments that soar really high and that's kind of where I hold them. So this is almost like the original is the, the staple in the middle of the whole, you know, there's nine, soon to be nine films. The the original is kind of in the middle of that, like holding everything together, like old fans and new fans, everyone kind of agrees. They go, okay, well, at least if you don't like the sequels, you don't like the prequels, you do still like the originals, don't you? Like that's still like the baseline. Like if you don't like the originals, you can just fuck off. Like yeah. be completely honest. Yeah. <laughs> That's my view, anyway. I, I, think I think that's a pretty fair assessment, to be perfectly honest. It's sort of, uh, yeah, you, you may get all kinds of the different sides of, you know, even as we say, toxic fandom, but everyone mm. pretty much agrees on the uh, on the original trilogy. Having said that, if you go back and listen to the last podcast in this, in this collaboration, <laughs> we, we may have disgruntled quite a few people, actually. So, and we may continue that here. Oh yeah, if you listen yeah. to our VHS, we're really worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, as as it's actually Luke Skywalker who says it first, because even if everyone thinks it's Han Solo, I've got a bad feeling about this yeah. because I've got a feeling I'm going to get some backlash after today's episode. Well, I'm meant to be the biggest Star Wars fan, and I'm the one who's actually kind of agreeing with you guys. Going actually to add on to you ripping into it, there's even more detail you don't know, which makes it even worse. <laughs> <laughs> What you didn't spot was. <laughs> well, let's do it then. So, let's say we're going to recommend if you want to go back and see what we said about New Hope, go back and listen to uh, the last episode of uh, the VHS Strikes Back or Comics in Motion. But let's sort of have a bit of a recap here. So, um, A New Hope, I think we, saw, we all said, um, directed by George Lucas, written by George Lucas, and it's very George Lucas. Um, and that's not always a good thing, is it, really? Let's be fair. Well, it's the prequels. That's basically what the prequels are, is pure George Lucas unfiltered. Yeah. Which is no flaw they are. Well, that's the thing I actually think. Looking at the rest of these, looking at sort of um, Empire and Jedi, 
the more you do it, the more you sort of, and this is the first time I've ever really thought this, the more he is filtered, the more he is restrained and somebody else comes in and either gives it a polish or sort of like, you know, direct, the better these actually become. And, you know, I'm happy to voice it. I think A New Hope is very much like, uh, this happens and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens. It's just like a series of, of events with very little emotion. You know, we talked about the fact that Luke Skywalker grieves more for an old man he meets briefly than for the two parent figures he sees like brutally burnt to death um and other things like that so you know i think that i don't think george is a strong director however getting into empire you know he passes it over to irving irving kirshner who is a sort of a director for hire apparently he now does a filmmaking school he runs a filmmaking school that he did but written by Lawrence Kasdan and Lee uh, Brackett, I I really like Empire. I I really enjoyed it this time. Um, what's people's overall thoughts on on Empire? Just throwing it out there. Well, I want to I want to cut in before Chris ruins everything. Um, so because uh, I already know your bloody opinion, I've, I'll say it's funny though. Uh, I, my girlfriend, I mentioned in the previous podcast, so I, we started watching all the Star Wars films uh, last year, and you know, we she loves Harry Potter, I love Star Wars, but I've seen all Harry Potter, she hasn't seen all Star Wars. So I want to you know make it fair, uh, show her the better series, and um, I showed her like mixed feelings about all of them. We'll get into the all details and stuff about other ones in the other shows and things, but specifically with the original trilogy, she genuinely, genuinely doesn't actually like Empire very much and i can't and it's an interesting perspective that i want to just say about empire which is i hadn't thought of because you know i grew up i think i saw you know four five and six close with one and two sort mm. of thing but um with M, and i think i was i'd already seen yeah four five and six and one around the same time and then slowly up you know the other ones um, but essentially what she said she didn't like about it the most was the middle when he's on Dagobah with uh, Yoda, yeah. which obviously for a lot of us is almost some of our favourite parts because that's when you get a bigger view of the actual Force. Because I've seen New Hope, it's a bit more like, oh, there's a Force. <laughs> you can you know change people's minds arbitrarily, randomly, occasionally, and you have light swords. And that's pretty much it. And choke people if you're bad. Whereas like in... Obviously, in Empire, it brings it forward. It gives you a bit more of an idea of what the Force is capable of and the sort of philosophy behind the Force. Whereas... where my girlfriend had seen the prequels and she saw Yoda as this, you know, essentially in the second and third one, especially he goes mental and he's, you know, flipping around and doing impossibly gigantic, crazy aerobatics and fighting in another old man. And it's like, it's really cool to watch, you know, to some degree, but, she saw that and understood obviously in the first, in the prequels they kind of explain the force in more of a scientific way and stuff but then in empire if if you've already seen the prequels and then you watch empire the middle bit which is like the 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 substance of the force and the thing that kind of makes star wars a bit more special she was like this is just really boring cuz i already know all this which is a weird perspective that i hadn't actually thought of which actually upsets me quite a lot because that's one of my favorite parts of empire i'd say is is that and obviously the end is amazing but I love the middle, like it's the lull, but it is where the I find almost the universe of Star Wars that made it what it is today kind of pushes things like things come together. Do, do yeah, you know, no, I, I actually completely agree with you. I think it's that um, there are parts of of uh, Empire that I think stand out, and I, I, I do like that. The like I say that bit on Dagobah in the middle, and it's because it's Luke mm. becoming a not just a Jedi but a better character. Not yeah, so like you know, he goes through stuff, and it like, although um, 
there are moments in that sort of bit where, he, you know, he is still a bit of a whiny bitch. Like, you know, when he's trying to sort of get the X-Wing. I mean, it's funny, like, you know, he's trying to get the X-Wing out of the, the swamp water. And you get, I mean, there are massive inconsistencies, you know, sort of, even in the prequels, they say um, Jedis are not, uh, you know, do not believe in, in uh, absolutes. And then you've got, in the, the original trilogy, you've got Jedi saying, you know, do or do not, there is no try. And you're like, that's that's an absolute, isn't it? So, but I love the fact he's sort of, he, he basically burns Luke Skywalker. He's like, you know, Luke's like, you know, raise, he's like, raise the X-Wing. Oh, I can't do it. It's too hard. And Yoda's just like, oh, and just, and just judge me by my size. <laughs> yeah. And then just, and then just does it. And he's, it's almost like a, in your face. Um, and so I, I, I really enjoy that. But but I think it's great. I think it, it, it matures Luke and makes him a much more interesting character going into the third act and Jedi. Um, so, but I can understand that thing of, well, I've just watched the um, prequels and I understand about the Force, and you know, unfortunately, I understand it as Metaclorians and all the other stuff. So, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Oh, God, but uh, <laughs> the yeah. glory of Metaclorians. Yeah. Everyone loves them. <laughs> everyone, ever. Let's just all agree before we say it any further. Everyone in who's ever liked Star Wars agrees the best thing that George Lucas ever did was quantifying Force. And ruining yeah. all of the fantasy around it, and completely getting rid of it, so it can be quantifiable. Because nothing says enlightenment or special powers like you can quantify it on a blood reader. You know, <laughs> yes, like diabetes. That's the thing that. Well, I'm, I'm not going to spoil the next episode, yeah. and uh, keep my cards close <laughs> to my chest. Yeah. We will get, yeah, we'll get, we will get into the fact that basically it, it it removes Luke from being the special one, but. Um, Yes, that, I totally agree. I actually really like that bit. And uh, Chris, I'm going to keep you, I'm going to keep you muzzled for just a little bit longer on this. <laughs> I'm, I'm biting my fist. I'm telling you, I'm biting yeah, my fist. Dog, what, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on, on what we're saying? Yeah, I I think that I mean, what did you call Luke a, a whiny mm. bitch? I I would say he's a headstrong, belligerent little shit. I mean, Yoda just you know he can't tell him anything, can he? Even when he's talking about the cave, you know, you won't need any weapons. Yeah, I'm going to stick him on anyway because I, I know everything. <laughs> Just fucking listen to him, will you? For God's sake, can you sort of see? I think on this rewatch, I, I've seen more that headstrong, you know, Luke, you know, and, and being utterly belligerent more than anything because I, I don't know, you know, it, it, not jumping too far ahead in Empire, but he goes to save uh, he walks right into the trap, and Yoda's telling him, "Don't go, don't go. You're walking right into a trap." And he's like, "Yeah, but I'm, I know what I'm doing." It's like that, you know, that arrogance of youth. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd noticed that a lot more this time than I ever had before. I don't hold Empire in such high esteem as as a lot of other people, but I kind of feel like that's because of the order that I watch the mm. movies in. It was years before I saw Empire, and yet I'd, I'd grown to love and rewatch and watch and watch and watch and watch <laughs> again, you know, Star Wars and then The Return of the Jedi. So I, I don't know if I've, you know, whereas probably both of those two, you know, uh, Star Wars and then Return of the Jedi, I've probably watched into the hundreds. Empire, I've probably watched into the tens. But picking up on, on that lore, I do think. You know, it's not just about understanding what the force is. I do think there's a genuine pacing problem there. Um, and it's all wrapped up in the editing because you've got th these cuts that go from kind of Luke on Dagobah 
and then you've got Han and the the Millennium Falcon running from the Empire, and that seems like it's happening over days or maybe a week. Mm. Where do you get the feeling like what's going on with Luke and Yoda should be happening over a few months? You know, you it is a weird. You can't is master the Force in a week, surely. It's. I think in the. I can't remember exactly uh, from what I, my knowledge of in the comics, but I think there is some sort of. Uh, generally, among the the fans, there is this weird grey area of how long they're actually on there. Because as you've you've rightly said, it seems like almost from Luke's perspective, it would be weeks and weeks, maybe a couple of months. But yeah, for Han and Leia and stuff, it seems like yeah, maybe yeah. A, a day. Like he could even be almost in an afternoon, couldn't it? From yep. going escaping the Empire to kind of get the best bit, and maybe having like a rest there for like an evening, and then the next day. But you could even probably argue in the morning they escape the Empire, the evening they tried to have that dinner with uh, Darth Vader and stuff and then by nighttime Han was frozen yeah. it's like if, if you said to me canon that is one day I'd be like that that seems right yep. that doesn't seem very consistent but yeah with Luke on Dagobah you're like what like surely as you say he must learn either be the quickest learner ever or there's some sort of odd time lapse going on there, there was no rocky montage or anything <laughs> that's what it <laughs> needed a John Williams scored it montage. did yeah, yeah that and Burt Reynolds <laughs> Yeah, you are, you obviously, are right but yeah, <laughs> and, and before, sorry, sorry, Scott, before I hand over to Chris to launch into what we all know he's yeah. going to launch into, I will just say <laughs> one other thing that happens all before this is, again, what I noticed going back this time is Han Solo is a fucking yeah. prick, right? Absolute or to prick layer. to layer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and again, we've seen a lot with with on uh, you know on the VHS going back and looking at a lot of seventies and eighties movies that, by God, everyone's a little bit yeah. rapey, you know. And and Blade Runner, do you remember we talked about Blade yeah. Runner on my show? Yeah, and it was yeah. like Harrison Ford as well. And we like we watched that, and you're like, oh, he's actually literally grabbing her by the throat and <laughs> we, pushing her against the wall. Yeah, oh, this isn't something good. Actually, for my for the newer podcast, I'm just doing uh, stories out of time and space. Me and Julian Darius literally just did Blade Runner. And we we really went to town on that scene in that where he because um, he, he does he literally rapes mm. Rachel, but it's more than that because people kept saying oh yeah she's a woman no no we know at that point she's a replicant so she's actually a slave class so not only is he enforcing his gender he's mm. enforcing his superiority onto her it's really bad it's yeah it's a real Harrison Ford man Tanya he's oh yeah dodgy dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I was saying, one of the things, watching this, I was going to get to it because you're, you're right, it's one of the points I've got down here, is the fact that I had to check the timeline on this. I Googled the timeline for not only the, what's the time between the end of A New Hope and the start of Empire, but I actually Googled it. What's the time period of the events in Empire Strikes Back? And there are, there's a lot of different people who've got a, a lot of different opinions, so it's never clear. Hmm. Between yes, New Hope and Empire, it's about three years, though, isn't it? And then, yeah. And then yeah. I think Empire mm. to Return of the Jedi is about a year to a year and a half. No, yeah. six months to a year and a half, I think, was the roundabout time between those so, two. But yeah, we're going to hear. <laughs> so I did interrupt. I realized I interrupted uh, Dave, actually, on his point about uh, Han. I hope I didn't. If there's anything more to add before. <laughs> Sorry, I just completely <laughs> cut you off there. I realized. No, I, I didn't know. So <laughs> go ahead. Okay. Well, that's good. Got well, away guys, guys, if we're ready, we're going to release the Phelps. Go for it, Chris. We want to take a big, deep breath. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I have been literally biting my my <laughs> fist here. Um, I, I actually 
really the last time I'd watched the full trilogy was before I went to see The Force Awakens. So I thought I'm going to watch him. I watched. I actually watched him as you said uh, before, guys. Uh, you were saying Scott. I actually watched a Mike's uh, girlfriend. I watched the prequels first, so we did them in proper chronological order, and then we did with this, you know, the original three, and. I didn't really enjoy him as much as I remember. I'd probably not watched him properly all the way through for maybe three or four years. And I'm like, this can't be right. What's going on? Then I really enjoyed The Force Awakens and I, I went from there. I've, I've, I've actually enjoyed all the, the latest movies, even the last one, which I know is, is atrocious, but I do love the bit in the middle with Snoke and Kylo Ren and Rey. I do like that bit when they take him out. A bit predictable, but I do like that. But anyway... The Luke stuff, let's say no more on that shit, but we'll, we'll definitely get to that when we talk about that later on. But I've always wondered with Empire, because like I say, I had the game on the Atari. It was a fucking atrocious game. You were just doing that, the, the hot fight scene at the start where you're in Luke's sort of ship and you you had to put the rope around the bottom of the Atats and stuff, you know, to make him. And that's, that was basically the game and it was absolutely atrocious game. And obviously we're, we're talking probably 83 or something when that was out. But I always wondered why... I hated Empire and I didn't hate it this time. I actually really enjoyed it. I think this is probably the first time since I was a kid I've actually watched it again and really, really enjoyed it. And I even messaged you, Dave, didn't I, saying that, saying what mm-hmm. a great film. And I, I, honestly, I think a lot of the stuff with Star Wars is what you'd said, Dave, for me as well. It's the music, mm-hmm. the, the musical score. All right, you can tell it's John Williams because some of it, I always remember as a kid, it always passed over into one of my favorite films, Superman, especially Superman 2. Absolutely love that film and a lot of the music is very very similar especially when Clark loses his powers in that in Superman 2 it's very very it's almost note for note so obviously the music makes it but and I really don't want to do this because I'm going to literally become the Simon Cowell of our quartet you know, you've got like the nice people well yeah, yeah. um I'm being controversial I might please forgive me on this and I, know <laughs> I may have teed you up before we started but I fucking hate Yoda and that's exactly why I ha- I've, I never really liked Empire. I don't. I know you, what you three have said about this bit. I absolutely hate this bit in the middle. It absolutely does nothing for me. Not only is Frank Cos who does Yoda's voice, mm-hmm. who's basically just, you know, you know what? I've run out of voices. Let's just do Miss Piggy. And that's always what pisses me off about Yoda. And I've never... I'm, it's gone very quiet in here, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> it just pisses me off. It always has done as a kid because I, I used to watch it and think, I'm just not convinced by this Yoda character. It's just Miss Piggy. And it's a set... Obviously, it's Jim Henson. It's, it's the proper animatronic stuff and all that. And you can tell that because Luke's struggling to walk around the room when he's in, in Dagobah and that. And I just... For that moment of that film, that's the moment where I'll get up and make a brew or something because it just does not interest me. The only thing that interests me is when... Yoda actually changes and starts talking to Obi-Wan about, you know, I can't train him and stuff. And he changes from being this bumbling sort of little animal to being sort of revealing himself as Yoda. But the rest of it, I can't stand. I, I really, really can't stand. And I'm so sorry to do it, guys. But the rest of the film is on the money for me. But this bit, I fucking hate. And I, and I, I knew straight away. And I don't like Yoda as a as a Jedi. I've never been convinced by him. Even in the prequels when he's doing all that fucking Jackie Chan bollocks, it just is absolutely <laughs> nothing for me. I don't believe for one minute he can beat any... Is it Count Dooku whoever yeah. he's fighting against? Yeah, I don't believe any of that nonsense at all. Christopher, yeah, I don't believe any of it. I'm so sorry, but um, yeah, anyway, I'll let you debate that. <laughs> it's fine. You've been told your opinion, and I, I, understand, I can understand that. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it is... You bring up a good point because when you you first introduced to Yoda, and I'd forgotten about this, like he comes in as like a little bit almost like a as a comedy 
sidekick. Like he does a little comedy bit where he's a, you know, he's nicking food. He has a little fight with R two, and <clears throat> it's only sort of then after a while that he, re- you know, he reveals himself to be, as you say, sort of like you know, the wise old Yoda. Um. <clears throat> I I'm just, I can't say, I do know I'm trying to sort of just I do I can see what you're saying and I do understand it but I, I just really enjoy it I just think the the, the puppetry is great I think the uh, you know the the feel of this whole section is 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 really doing it for me I'm, I'm uh, yeah hey, you're right look it's opinions and yeah. everyone has them I, I think for me and I think probably as well it's it got a bit like I love the I love films I hate films when the baddies win and I think probably because I know that. Return of the Jedi is my favourite out of all three of them, despite the end bit, which I will pick holes in because Dave just loves the Ewoks, and we'll get into that, obviously. But um, <laughs> the irony of that, obviously, Dave, before you, you have a go at me. But, um, <laughs> but I think it's the fact that I know that the win at the end of Return of the Jedi is what in Empire puts me off, I think. I don't know why, because it feels like... They have to do it. It's a bit like what's happened with the Avengers Infinity War. And even though that's a great film, the end game is superior because they get the result that we all want. Because I think if I'd gone to watch it in the cinema, you're like, no, no, I've got to go back. Like you were saying before about the Harry Potter stuff, Mike, the Harry Potter stuff I absolutely love, but it's left on a cliffhanger literally until the last scene of the last film. You've got there to your eight or nine films before you get any conclusion. Lord Voldemort gets his come up and spoiler alert, basically <laughs> at the end of the actual whole nine or eight films or whatever it is. So I, I do get it. I think if I was a kid watching it, I'd have been pissed off. I probably would have been crying coming out of the cinema knowing that Darth Vader and them bastards had won, you know, for that film. So... <laughs> It's funny you mention that because, in my opinion, what I like about uh, films a lot, which is one of the things that I was hoping for in Last Jedi, I didn't quite get. But once again, we'll talk about that in probably my, my show later on. But is I actually prefer films when they end in a in a in a darker sense, a mm. lot more so when it's a series and things, you know. Because it sounds this is going to sound so patronising, and I don't mean it in, in that way, but we know it's not real so there's no consequence <laughs> yeah. at all you know and also in star yeah. wars anyone who good dies especially in the original ones just comes back anyway and if you watch most tv shows and things you either get or films and whatever you either get a sequel spin-off movie like they were solo or you get some sort of flashbacks or something or they come back to life in some bullshit way you know these sort of things happen quite a lot so whenever bad things happen it's not as it's not as much weight to it, I'd find, but I really like it when films end on a dark tone mm. because even when I was younger, especially as a teenager and stuff, being all full of angst and listening to metal music and whatnot, it was always, you know, life isn't that good. Life's actually quite shit a lot of the time, isn't it? <laughs> and you know, that sort of you know bad attitude. And it's like, to be fair, a lot of life is quite crap a lot of the time. So people, a lot, a lot of the time, they don't want to go into a film and then have this deep horrible dire bleak film and then come out of it go jesus i feel worse when i went in you know so i i i at both parts i agree and disagree in a sense but for yeah. me to actually say an opinion rather than just spouting off random shit is um i think at the three empire is my favorite mm-hmm. but i would say return of the jedi is really really close and i will say i know we're jumping ahead a little bit i think the start of both uh, both films are absolutely amazing, but I think the f- apart from the very first probably five minutes of Revenge of the Sith, 
the absolute star, the first like third, I'd say, because most of the stars are kind of generally split up into almost thirds in a sense, um, or especially when they go on different planets. If you notice, it's, it's third or fourths usually. They stick to three or four main places generally. And I find that in um, Return of the Jedi, the, the Jabba's Palace is probably my favourite first third of any of the stars from so far. I, I absolutely love that scene. So... That's kind of jumping ahead a little bit. I'm no, sorry. No, it's really, it's really, it's really, it's really it, I, I actually, and to say what you know, you say about the darker tone of this, and to what Chris says about this coming a cliffhanger. This film, for the first half, tricks you. Like it really wants you. It's really working hard to to trick you into thinking they're on to a winner. Because <clears throat> you, you know the whole film. I mean, apart from the opening scene, which. Um, you know, uh, Luke getting taken by the snow beast, whatever it's called, uh, Mike. Wampa. Wampa, thank you. Uh. Um, <laughs> that, I mean, obviously, that's that's actually in there because he had a car crash or a motorbike crash between the filming of, of or literally just before they started filming on Empire. So they were like, okay, he's got these sort of, uh, his, fa- his face is all scratched up. We sort of need to make an excuse for that. So that was added in a bit later. Um, but I love all the attack on Hoth. You know, then he sort of he has to go to Dagobah. So you're like, oh, he's getting his, he's getting real training. He's becoming a real Jedi. Um, you know, they're running when they run from the Empire. They're going to Cloud City. You think, oh, they've got allies and all this other stuff. And you do think, like, okay, this is actually, although there's a sort of a slightly more, more serious tone to the film. You think they're building up to a victory again at the end of this film, and then the moment that Darth Vader appears in in on Cloud City, is the moment you go. Oh shit! This may not be as simple as you think, yeah. and that's mm. and that's when it sort of starts to spiral out of control. And even as a kid, I used to love that. I was like, "Oh, actually, no, they're pulling the rug like this." You know, they're, oh, they're going to get out of this. Oh, they're going to get out of this. And you know, then you sort of have because um, when Luke arrives, on, obviously we're jumping all over the place, so please jump in. But so when Luke arrives on Cloud City to save um, Leia and Han and Chewie and all that sort of thing, you think. Uh, okay, this is it now. This is going to be how it's going to pan out. This is going to be the big fight. There's going to be a big fight at Cloud City, and you know they're going to escape, and that'll be it. And it doesn't work out that way. And it starts to sort of like keep getting worse and worse. And you're like, all right, this is actually going to this is actually going to go really badly. Um, so I will say, I was going to say one of my favorite bits about that is I think one of my favorite parts of Empire oddly enough is just when it's when you realize how powerful Vader is because you know and obviously New Hope you know is quite strong yeah. you know force choking people whatever um, but you don't really get to see him in action that much even though obviously the Obi Wan fight's a bit lackluster as we discussed in the last episode but when Han walks in and the shutters open and you see Vader sat there and like Leia I think screams and it's immediately like immediately anyone watches it like oh shit and then Han pulls out his gun and shoots immediately mm. and you're like oh shit but then he puts his hand mm-hmm. in the way and just stops it and you're like oh no and you're like when that happens the whole tone basically as you say scott the whole of it just goes oh no what have we done like isn't and you see luke going there and you're like wait a minute darth vader can block a blaster with his hand it's like what is that sort of that's what i like about it where it is as you say exactly you you phrase it perfectly pulling the rug from under you well it's the way it does it like vader's so calm let's say because um we've said that the film starts with han being a little bit of a there's a little bit of toxic masculinity, and we'll get to that. In a <laughs> but like you say, the moment he comes in, like his reflexes come in, like he's pretty badass. Like he just pulls the gun and starts firing, and that's cool. But then Vader sort of, like you say, he he blocks two laser blasts, and then uses the force pull to sort of retrieve the the the, the, uh, the blaster out of Han's um, hand. You are you're like, yeah, you're fucked. Because like, <laughs> he, he and I can't remember what he says. He says like, you know. Um, 
we we have to talk or you know i think um, we've been uh we've been expecting you or yep. something like it, yeah that. i've been expecting you it's like the way he says it, it's so calm and so collected mm. it's like he's not worried about this at all um and then the same he says something later to um uh, lando carizian when he says about um he's gonna take leia and the, the wookie and he says no oh, you said they were gonna stay here under my protection and he says I'm changing the plan. I'm changing the the deal. I'm changing the bargain. And he just like he doesn't give a shit. Like this guy is just like he has got total confidence in every situation. Like he doesn't think anyone can beat him. Um, and I just find that more and more chilling throughout this film. That like yeah, there there isn't anyone, and that's why you need Luke. Yeah. Can I can I just say one thing actually that I had a problem with this time? Um, just the one. <laughs> well, obviously we know when this film came out that Doc Brown hadn't created the time machine. So how the <laughs> fuck did the Empire get to Lando Calrissian's place when Boba Fett was following them well, and yeah, they got is. there before him? How the fuck did yeah. he get there? I'm sorry, I was sat there this time going, that is bullshit from China, I'm sorry. Unless he got lost on he the way with the, the A to Z or something. <laughs> the, I will say, yeah. I, I will say, you notice that actually when they land, they meet Lando already. Then they separate yeah. from Lando uh, for a little while. And that's when Leia's in the room of Han and says, oh, what's taking so long? I don't like this. I've got a bad feeling or whatever. And then Lando comes in and goes, oh, hey, everything's fine. Let's go. And then they go see Vader. I'm pretty certain, if there's any bigger fans of me, you may correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty certain there is actually some sort of comic which happens and it shows actually what happens. And it was basically, yeah, because I mentioned something about Lobot as well, which is the guy with the, the thing on his head, the bold mm. dude with like a, yeah, that's yeah. the name. Um, something about basically Lando, I think, the Empire arrive at almost the same time, I'm pretty sure. But what happens is Lando basically goes and talks to Han and stuff, leaves them in a room, then goes and talks to the Empire, who I think Bespin is already under the control of the Empire. And then it's like, Vader's like, look, seriously, if you don't give him over, we're just going to kill everyone here. And it's like, oh, okay. And then they kind of go back and betray him. I- I'm-, I'm pretty certain that is why. But this is one of those big things which I do agree with you, which is one thing I've noticed with all my friends whenever they watch a lot of these the Star Wars films, just the films, is there are so many inconsistencies or plot holes in all of them unfortunately (laughs) which happens a lot and the only and only i seem to have all the answers and i love it makes me almost love them more because i can you know any flaws i can almost beat but it is like comic writers are such the underappreciated people of the whole literary (laughs) universe because they are working their nuts off to try and plug all of these little holes, which is just sloppy <laughs> storytelling. And it's just like, George Lucas yes. is just like, yeah, whatever. They, he just turns up and, uh, yeah, Darth Vader got there before. No one actually thinks through the detail. It's the comic writers that are doing all of this. And the fact that, you know, I when agree. when Han and Leia turn up, you know, and, and Lando Calrissian, who, who I think gets a bit of a rough ride, I, I don't think he could have done anything else, to be honest, in that position. Mm. But the reason they're all so smiley is because they were out on the piss with Eric Idle the night before. (laughs) 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 And he had this weird stuff. He had this um, concoction that they used to give the extras on the life of Brian to keep them all full of energy and stuff. So that's why they were all smiley in, uh, you know, your old smoothie. So (laughs) yeah, no, it's, it's great, but, but God bless all the comic writers. I say. 
agree. But I, I agree with you there. But I, I will say, yeah, that that's the problem with with this film. With each, I will say to add a little bit of sprinkling of styles knowledge. I will not try and go in too much every time I pipe my voice up to splur, you know, no, uh, verbally good. waterboard people. But um, it is. No, it's good. Yeah, it is one of those things where it's just with. It should, I, I do this is the thing it's a kind of double-edged sword in a sense or to i don't know how i'm phrasing it but basically it's annoying that they have to explain something in a comic when it should be literally what take 10 seconds maybe five seconds just to show some snippet of vader appearing or walking through a doorway or some really subtle thing like you see his ship land in the background in a shot where leia and lando and whatever or han are looking in one direction and you see some sort of imperial cruiser in the background mm. land if you that was it but- it's all you take even they it goes back and edit a hundred times and put in loads of shit we don't need and yet you could have <laughs> changed the scene to make the timings make so, more sense so to be fair if you sacrifice a little bit of logic and and you know things that make sense for that <laughs> reveal can you imagine being in the cinema at that time when the door opens you know it's a very relaxed environment isn't it you know with with han and leia and they're just you know chatting and whatever it feels very safe the door opens and Vader's there. Like you say, he puts his hands up, blocks a couple of lasers, you know, uses the force to bring the laser. If I'm sat in the cinema at that time, I'm thinking, holy fucking shit, boss, yeah. what has just happened? <laughs> you know, so I, I'm willing to, to forgive all of that for just that reveal. I, I, I'd agree mm, with that. I the, agree. Way it's happened, the, way that the way the reveal's placed... Yeah, I do. Is, I agree with what you were saying, though, Chris. It, and it's it's one things as as you get older, it becomes slightly more glaring as a problem. But like you say, that reveal I I love, and from that moment on, um, I, I I really enjoy this film. I mean, but let, let's I want, I want to jump back for for two things actually quickly. Is the other thing I really enjoy is the battle on Hoth, um, the the snow battle. Mm, but let's yeah. also talk about Han Solo at the beginning of this film and, and his. His interactions with, well, she's. We learn she is the twin sister of um, Luke Skywalker in this film, uh, and so she is either what we say. It's been three years since New Hope, so she is about twenty one, twenty two, twenty two. Okay, Han is probably in his mid thirties, so I'm just going to leave that there for a start. I think. I think. Oh. When we did the Raiders of the Lost Art review, which was 81, so it was a year after Empire, mm. Harrison Ford was 39. Yeah. So, so you know, he's, he's late 30s, yeah. and uh, Carrie Fisher is, what, you know, late teens, early well, she was, 20s? She was 18 on the set of New Hope, so... Yeah. yeah. It, it's all, you know, lots of wrong, it's, isn't in, it? In the universe. Yeah, well, the thing is with Han is it's because I noticed this when I watched him again, which my favorite incarnation, if that's the word, word of Han is actually Force Awakens mm. Han. I, I love old Han. He's great because he's just a bit more chill. But he is, I like, you like the cockiness of him in a, in a lot of sense, you know, when he's like, oh, I can do this, I can do everything. And it's quite fun to run around, you know, run around with him essentially. But yeah, when you see Malaya at the start, he's, you forget. But as I say, like, I watch these, I watch these films basically every year. Uh, so when I rewatch them the, for the umpteenth time, I did notice when it's in Hoff, the, they're constantly stopping and him saying, you know, he calls her princess as a joke and things, but he gets really close to her and kind of grabs her and holds her and gets closer and back. And it's like, he's basically as close as you could get to proper sexual harassment without 
being so obviously blatant you know what i mean it's like really on that line of between charmer and harasser do you know if what i mean it wasn't it is a pg bit, it'd have gone oh you're a fucking lesbian. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that is the oh, level that he's operating at i did want to say something I, f- I forgot to mention in scott's uh scott mentioned it in the last episode i'll quickly say which is her new hope being yeah. a U, and it's still a U, even though in the film you yeah. see an arm yeah. get cut off with blood, yeah. which for some reason, even though lightsabers went to cut through, you know, make it whatever. But it's, and you see that, and I was like, it's weird that these films now are all U's, yet the SpongeBob yeah. movies are PG. <laughs> so in theory, the SpongeBob movie is actually more scary to your kids than the three Star Wars films. You know, are. the the film that broke the mold was Gremlins. Yes, and again, I think Steven Spielberg had a lot well, to do with this. So Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah which we did recently, was a PG. And they they wanted to make Gremlins a PG as well. And, and you know, that was the thing that eventually broke people as to say, you know what, I think there's yeah. some middle ground here. He, well, he got the trifecta just mm. on that. So you're right. It was it's Spielberg, his influence, he got the sort of uh, poltergeist sort of started the discussion. Gremlins sort of pushed it. But it was also um, Temple of Doom. Uh they, they, they yeah. were re- the BBFC were really pushing for massively heavy edits, especially in the- yes. Yeah. So when uh, yeah, <laughs> when he, he removes a man's living heart um, and sort of holds it up high, they were like, "You can't show that," and they were like, "But it's it's intricate to the, it's integral to the plot." And you're like, "Yeah, it's like yeah. So yeah, <laughs> Spielberg in, was was part of the reason we get a twelve, which you know that's that's quite interesting, really, when you think about it. I think Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was a part. I think obviously, I think it's loads of different strands mm. of the of the tapestry. Uh, but I heard um, is it's uh, kind of Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man film. That was quite because they were like, you can't say it's a PG because obviously the bit at the end where he gets stabbed by the the flying thing and there's a lot of peril and threat, but also it's not a fifteen necessarily. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of those films, including I think mm. Batman Forever or something, it was that era. It was that sort of era where some of the films you have mentioned, Scott, I do think have that as well. But it it was weird. Then obviously Star Wars now they're regular. <clears throat> 12 since uh revenge of the sith obviously yeah. revenge of yeah. the solo but then again it's weird 12s just seem to be almost everything now it's it's yeah. so they get away with so it's much in a 12 spot, isn't that yeah but it's that thing I yeah think, i mean on, there was a there was a cinema rating of 12 before there was a a vhs and deep so everything that was a 12 at the cinema automatically became a 15 were or with cuts became a pg on vhs so you will see there are films that became a pg uh, on video uh, or early DVD, but they were cut from the cinema version. Or if they didn't want to do the cuts, mm-hmm. they became a fifteen, and then it, then they eventually introduced the twelve, like say in the mid to late nineties, I think. You know, you know, one thing that you say about the U, because I always remember it again on video being a U, and I always used to think that is, what is all your thoughts on the fact that it is a U, but Luke Skywalker has no fucking blood coming out of his arm when he gets it chopped off. What is the logical explanation? I know, Mike, you may have an explanation, I but I genuinely not, even now, not, I never bought that when I was gonna, a kid. I'm going to, <laughs> Mike, before you give I'm, your version, I'm just going to say, before my yeah. head canon has always been, I know it's, it's sort of, like you say, ruined by the first film, but I've always taken that it's a laser sword, so it sort of cauterizes the wound as it, as it cut through, but that might be too easy. When it's convenient, yeah, it's it, 
Well, <laughs> I think to be honest, I don't. I haven't looked into this explicitly, but it is in all the. If you think about the prequels, every time someone gets a limb cut off and they get hit like a the scratches on them, it always does just burn it it cauterizes it, as you say it it slices it off and i don't have an official answer for this but the way i've tried to you know when you get a jigsaw piece it doesn't quite fit you just get the scissors cut yeah. it in so it fits it properly that's how this is about to sound okay because it is basically my own head cannon and the only thing i can possibly think of is that the species that gets his arm cut off in the cantina for some reason He's got maybe his arm is got made not with the same flesh that human arms are made out of, or something like that. So when it gets sliced, it doesn't burn and cauterize like every other limb chopping off in every Star Wars iteration after that does since. But that's what I think. Maybe him in the cantina, he had because he's a different species of an alien. His arm for some reason was hotter, colder. I don't know, and that's what caused it to bleed. Whereas all the other iterations have been to our knowledge i think have had have been humans with their arms and legs or whatever cut off that that's all i can think of that that hasn't been explicitly mentioned in canon but that's how i lateralize it now we've successfully dodged scott's question and <laughs> solo i think but but what i'll put out there is i think again i'm going to call out these special edition edits as completely ruining this trilogy. And essentially, you know, I've got to say, in conclusion to that, I've got to say George Lucas didn't know what he had mm. because he took what he had and made it worse. Now, I don't think we touched on this, actually, in the, in our Star Wars review, but by making Guido shoot oh, first yeah. <laughs> and, and not having... Han Solo as this very grey kind of character. You know, everything in the Star Wars universe, it, it kind of needed to be, it needed to be black or white, it needed to be good or bad. I, I think, you know, that's one of its appeals is that you can really get behind that. You know, the, the goodies, you know, Darth Vader is all dressed in black and then you've got Stormtroopers. It's all very binary. But I think he he ruined that character. And, and for me, Han Solo... I, I used to play uh, Star Wars when I was a kid all the time. My best mate at the time had blonde hair, so he was always Luke Skywalker. Ooh, tough break. And I was always Han Solo. And I was always like, oh, fucking hell, I want to be Luke Skywalker. And and I, years later, I think, yeah, that was <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, for me, certainly looking back, you, you say, well, that's one of the most appealing things about Han Solo. He's not goody two-shoes, you know, like Luke who wants to go out and save the world and is brash and, you know, just fucks things up but lands on his feet. Han Solo is the one real interesting character. And George Lucas with those special mm. edits ruins him. I, I did have to look up some of the special edit things because obviously I think I briefly touched upon at the start is that my remembrance of the edits there's there's basically the two main times of edits which is 1997 2004 2004 was obviously to put in the hayden christensen thing at the end of return of the jedi and a lot of the adapting so that it fits in with the prequels but in the 1997 special edition like i didn't realize how many different mm. versions there were and i actually yeah. had to um i look i read i knew about a lot of them like there's i've got about eight or so listed but one of the things with the hand shot first thing is that in the original, it was hand shot first. Then in 97, it was Greedo shot first. And then 2004, he made it so they both shoot at the same time. 
which is weird. And it's like, seriously, yeah. make your fucking mind up. Like, just yeah. stick to one and commit to it. No one yeah. cared that much about hand shooting first until you started changing it and pointing a big spotlight on it. And now everyone's like, there's like a big, apparently, debate online. I think it's a bit more when uh, it got edited again. But there's a whole online of it, kind of as you said, Dave, where it's like, you know, Ham was meant to be this grey area. You know, him shooting first means he knew what was coming. It was his instincts that kicked in. He kind of beat yeah. Greedo. Greedo shooting first makes it so that Han shot as a reactionary thing, which means if Greedo didn't just happen to miss randomly, a really powerful bounty hunter who's really been great on the run, missing someone point blank. If he hadn't just missed Han, Ham would be dead because he hasn't mm. got good enough reactions. And then the final one where they both shoot at the same time is like, yeah. Like why? But it looks so bad as well. It looks yeah. like a PlayStation Two edit. Yeah, you know, it, it just again, I, I've just got to call out George Lucas. There, he didn't know what he had, no. and, and he just ruined it. But this is the thing: something... George Lucas. The thing is, he likes because this is a sci-fi fantasy film. He loves that fantasy element, and even though this has, a, like, say, Empire that has a darker tone and stuff, like you can tell when Lucas has got his fingers all over it, and it's always, like I said, Star Wars is a positive film. Like you know, there's no negative emotion in this. Like the, the Empire destroys a whole fucking planet, and nobody seems to get upset by it because they're too busy cheering for them having destroyed something else. Like it's just positivity. Like they can only celebrate things. He doesn't like to to dwell on the negative. So to have a character that's grey, you know, or a hero character grey, possibly leaning into dark when you think about it. Like he did not feel comfortable with that later on in reflection, and it shows. Like really shows. Yeah, I, I was just going to say as well, I know we're not on to Return of the Jedi yet, but for me, he ruins the whole end of that film with that edit. Oh, the yeah. The edit I grew up, the edit I grew up watching, oh, this fucking bit at the end pisses me off. It annoys so me. I watched it, yeah. oh my God. Well, the funny thing is about the, the special editions, it's like, so watching them all this time, like, and we talked about some of the ones in, in A New Hope. So when you're in um, Moss Eisley, like, he's, he's basically populated it to make it look like New fucking York. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and then there's other bits throughout the story, you know, the whole thing with Jabba the Hutt, which is unnecessary, and then there's all stuff later on. So he's all over it A New Hope, and we'll get on to Return of the Jedi in a minute, which is all over. But it... it for some reason, it seems like um, Empire Empire Strikes Back seems like the one that almost escapes it the most. Like Cloud City yeah. is tidied up. And actually, I think that, that what they've done to Cloud City benefits it because it feels like a bigger, you know, out the windows, they tidied all that up. I love that. That's quite good. Mm. They tidy up the sort of the, um, the battle on Hoth so that you can't see through the sort of um, stanchion panels in the ships because of the way they did the uh, um, projection, the green screen or blue screen as it would have been in the 70s and 80s. So they just do a lot of tidy up in in the in this, in this Empire. And it sort of seems to stop yeah. there. And I'm like, oh, that's not bad. And then you get to, to Jedi and you get a whole bleeding dance number with some hideous <laughs> CGI monstrosity. Let, let's get onto the monstrosity <laughs> and say, I'll just say this one bit and then I'll, I'll be quiet. But... I, I do think Empire, in terms of the edits, is the the one that comes out with the least afflictions. Mm. And I actually think when Luke gets um, ambushed by the Wampa, that is better. And you get more with the Wampa because you hardly get anything in the original cut. Mm. And, and, you know, you're just kind of 
story-wise, you you learn that well, Luke is a bit more in touch with the Force, but he's not infallible, you know. So I can get it from a story perspective. But the edits were not mm. great, and the and the effects weren't great. Mm. And and looking at the special editions, there you got the kind of Wampa like eating on something, some animal. So you you get more of a sense of this thing is pretty dangerous. So I actually think that bit is better. I I also want to say that I just think the Battle of Hoth is probably one of the best set pieces in the whole trilogy. I absolutely love that bit. And, you know, the games that that have come out, you know, I I, I think those bits are, are as good as anything in that trilogy. And I just absolutely love it. Jumping off the edit thing, I've got a couple of notes just to add, is um, with the Empire edits, as you say, obviously there's the Wampa bits and the sort of general cleaning up, but the only other two major edits that I uh, could really find was um, one which was Boba Fett's voice was changed to reflect, um, I forget his name, the actor who played yeah, Django and stuff. The which, Kiwi guy. Yeah, 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 um, who's in Moana and stuff. He's And I think he's great. I think that, that makes a lot of sense, changing the voices, that's fine. And they basically did the same with Palpatine, although the Palpatine hologram looks really weird, uh compared to like because the palpatine hologram they changed it it was actually some other i think it's an actress actually with a mask on who did the original you're right um, yeah the emperor was supposed to be a woman wasn't she wasn't he she I don't know if the Emperor, I, that, I don't know for sure, as in I, I haven't looked into that part. I just know from looking up before this chat, because I want to make sure I knew some of the differences between the special editions and the originals, because obviously I primarily grew up with the special editions. Um, so yeah, the, the Empire, the Emperor hologram changing, I think that's better, that makes more sense consistently, see why, even though it looks a bit odd, and the Boba Fett thing. But yeah, I would say that apart from that, Empire's as the edits goes, like, yeah, great, great job, George, generally. But then, yeah, as we said, you go into, you go into uh, New Hope and the Jabber edits were weird. The first Jabber edit looked really weird. And then the second one looks less weird, but still a bit odd. But then, yeah, when Return of the Jedi, Jesus, <laughs> they changed so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get on to it. Let's jump on the caravan of courage and make our way to Endor. Oh, very good, very good. Because let's talk about Return of the Jedi, because it's, it's it's another one. I mean, this this comes out in nineteen eighty three, directed by Richard uh, Marquand, uh, written by uh, Lawrence Kasdan, and George Lucas is back writing the uh, screenplay. So again, I feel the tone shifts in this film. You've had your sort of darker second, and now you're sort of trying to get back to that hopeful, more positive feel uh, eventually. Um, but you don't start that way. So what's, what are people's thoughts on... In fact, I'm going to go the other way around on this. Chris, what are your thoughts on on um, Jedi uh, and any of the bits that you want to call out? Yeah, I love it. Like I say, it's my favourite one of the three. I've probably watched it more than the other two, without a doubt. I think it's this, A New Hope, and then obviously Empire. I love the start of it. I mean, fig- figures-wise, I had Luke in his black outfit. I had... Uh, the Han Solo one, which I love him with the sort of blue jacket and the white shirt. I had that figure. I had Leia with that weird mask that she wears, which is in Jabba the Hutt's Leia. I didn't have, unfortunately, the one in the bikini and stuff, but, you know, <laughs> we can't have everything. Um, I always loved it. I've always loved this this whole bit with uh, Jabba the Hutt, and I love the, the sequence when they're trying to throw him off with the, the sort of walking the plank job and all that. You know, it, it all came together really well at the start of this movie. And I think what I like is the fact that obviously Han Solo's at a disadvantage because he can't see because he's been in the carbonite and all that stuff. Uh, it's just, 
the, the sad thing is, watching the edit this time just pissed me off because you've got some fucking weird alien Tina Turner singing, and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck did you put all that in? It's not a new hope when they go, you know, he goes with Obi Wan and stuff, and you've got the whole, you know, did 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 did. You've got this fucking B team band he's just threw in there. It's obviously part of the extra cuts, and that that woman with the weird tentacles coming out of her head and stuff, doing the dancing and that. Obviously, Jabba uh, throws to the the, the, the big thing at the end, where it, that big thing in the layer. Um, which I actually had that as a figure. That I'll, I'll take your word for it, Dave. That was a, <laughs> I had that figure as well um, uh, for some mad reason. But it just... And I actually had as well the actual... Go on, Dave. What, oh, Mike, what's the monster that falls in with Luke when he falls in Jabba's lair? I actually had that figure as well. Oh, oh the, it's the, the, the something pig. guard. Yeah, the, yeah. the pig guard. Mm. Oh, I should know the name of this in all honesty, but I, I can't throw my head. It's like a... Therian guard or something like that. Yeah, I had I had that figure as well. But but the whole part of Jedi is great. It's just what I found weird with not as much in Empire, but with turning the Jedi watching this. What I don't even know what cut I watched. It wasn't the original one by any means. Stretch the imagination. Is Darth Vader sounds more like a voiceover artist than he did in the originals. I know David Prowse wasn't very happy, as we mentioned on the other podcast, but <laughs> it just sounds like somebody's just got into a booth doing his voice because they got James Earl Jones to re-record some of his voice and you can tell he's aged more. And I just don't, I don't know if it's really off-putting watching it this time. Well, I was going to say, just to add on, because I looked it up, because I'm sad, uh, Gamorrean Guard, there you go, that's the name of the thing. <laughs> and it, there we go, and it was a Rancor, yeah, the, I didn't need to look that up, but yeah, it was a Rancor. Um, I would say, with the um, with looking in the special edition things, I actually didn't realise, because basically, I think, I saw the originals primarily from special edition, as in uh, 1997, and that whole starting bit, uh, which the, the singing bit, there's that, <laughs> that bit, I actually didn't realise that it was so different from the original until Hugely I watched today. Like, I actually watched it yeah. today because I knew I was like, oh yeah, some edits, and I've seen I knew most of them are generally because yeah, I've you know heard the the no one and obviously the uh, a few of the others, but I didn't realise it was that different. I must have started watching it just as those that version was kind of uh, out and things, obviously because I was you know, three or four when that came out. But yeah, I didn't realise because the original is like. I read someone online saying, basically describing it, which was like the original wasn't that great, but it was all right. But it only went on for a little while, and it was kind of this little background thing that no one really looked about. They go, "Oh, it's Jabba's palace, cool." But then what they did is they got rid of it, add in something that everyone generally considers to look worse and be worse, but also extends it for some reason that no one asked for it more. <laughs> and then also, not only have they extended something no one wants, but made such a big hoo ha about it, it's gone. Instead of being like this quiet little backgroundy noise thing that just kind of adds to the atmosphere a bit, you've put this giant spotlight like it's a big centerpiece which has absolutely no substance for no reason, and it just it completely ruins the pacing of the film. It's like, hey, let's just have a minute half to show off george lucas making some weird alien music video for no reason that no one asked for it's like well, why yeah why that's the main question i want to ask george like what do you think it adds that, i, I want to know why someone didn't do that at ilm or at 20th century fox where he's gone i want to do this and i'm going to put all this in it's going to cost this much money because obviously these are sort of there's several fully rendered cgi characters here and they look fucking mm. terrible <laughs> but no one's actually going george yeah. george why? Why do you want this? It's, oh, it's, it's integral he, to he, the plot. It, it makes things... No, 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 George. No, no, no. Shut up. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> he, he just had too much power, didn't yeah. he? You know, he was overcome by the dark 
Dark yeah. Side of the Force. I mean, he'd made that much money from the first film. You know, Empire Strikes Back was essentially an independent film, and he was just rolling in cash. Now, Empire, uh, sorry, Return of the Jedi. In fact, go off on another tangent. So we went back and looked at Poltergeist. Mm. Now, basically, that was made in parallel to E.T. And Steven Spielberg is the producer, but only in name. He got in Toby Hooper, but basically he just stepped all over his toes. And it's a Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah. For this, it's a George Lucas movie. And and it's all over it. And I think he's just got more and more power and less and less people who will challenge him and say, no, no, George, you know, that that's not going to work. And you sort of see that with the special edition edits, you know. The the original cut, completely agree with uh, that poster there, Mike. It was not good. You could pretty much see the strings hanging down. I had the little figure of the, the lady singer with the huge lips that came out. And, and it was not good, but it was on the screen for such a short amount of time. You didn't even notice it. And then it became this big Disney musical number. And it's like, what the hell is this? And and not only is it replacing existing characters, you get this new furry beast, you know, to give this big tonsils <sighs> CGI mess. And you're like, oh, that is terrible. And no one had the power to really, you know, challenge George Lucas on it. And it, it's just... It is the it is the trend that leads us to the prequels. Yeah. That's all I'll say. <laughs> it's just it's it's baffling. It's 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 such an odd choice. I mean, the weird thing is when you look at some of the choices that George Lucas and that were making when they were making these back in the early eighties, you sort of go, okay, that makes sense. I can see where you go. And he probably had some people around that were a bit more powerful, a bit more influential, probably a bit more sort of savvy in their creative powers. And that you know that you can see him being restrained, especially around Empire, and again some of the original parts of of Jedi. But you're right; the moment he gets full sway over this, he just sort of I don't know. It's like he pisses all over it. It's just sort of like this is mine, that's mine, this is mine. I own all of this. <laughs> it's just like he's marking his territory with terrible CGI. It's just crap. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a baffling scene because again, it tonally it doesn't work. Because um, you're supposed to have this sort of like seedy, um, you know, Jabba's palace is supposed to be sort of like, you know, this seedy underworld. It's populated by some really dodgy characters. Um, he's got Han Solo hanging up as a sort of, um, you know, in, in the carbonite on the wall. And you just sort of go, oh, yeah, this is like a really dodgy place. And then they have this <laughs> dance number and you're just like, oh, right. So that's that's what you that's what you wanted. That stops. And then it goes back to the original tone and you get sort of, um, as you say, sort of like, you know, Luke comes in and Leia comes in with, with Chewie and all this other stuff. It's just so badly, yeah. I'll tell you what it is. It's like the equivalent of sat at the cinema enjoying the film a little bit and then someone next to you just sneezes all over yeah. you and you're like, yeah. oh, fuck. So you're like, yeah, after a couple of minutes, you get back in the film and you kind of forget it happened. But you're just like, did that person really have to look at me and sneeze on me? Can they have just, you know, got a fucking tissue and that's how i felt when i watched it again i was just like i was like i forget how after you know how much it annoyed me because of i kind of forgot about how it even was changed and as i said like i don't think i'd even seen the version of the original 
So it kind of before recording this, it kind of reignited this anger. And I was like, I always thought that bit didn't really fit in, but I just thought it's just part of the kooky bits of Star Wars. And then you watch the reboot and you go, oh, no, they had it yeah. fine as a kooky bit of Star Wars that wasn't really necessary. And then he just went, nah, she's a bit more, doesn't it? Let's turn it up to 100. No one <laughs> yeah. asked for that, George. No one wants a dance on with Jabba's Palace before you watch some woman get eaten by a rancor. No one has ever said that. <laughs> You know, you know, you know what? I, yeah, that's really good. That's it, Mike. I think, I think what I've got an issue with is when I watched the original trilogy, they seem like such an empty, empty worlds. There's not a lot going on, and I know it sounds daft, but obviously where Luke came comes from and that you you know it's it's like a desert place. We only see a small section of obviously a little village or whatever, and we've got the little place where his aunt and uncle live in, and I understand that, but I always felt watching it as a kid that the rebels were basically the sort of last people in the universe left. You know, we get we did get mentioned of certain, you know, towns and villages and we get other things mentioned, but we don't see masses of people sticking up for or sticking up against the Empire. We just get the, like sort of all this sort of foreshadow stuff, you know, all this sort of behind the curtain. Oh, yeah, nobody messes with the Empire. But I like that feeling as if like, you know, Han... Chewie, Leia, Luke, they're like the last people in the universe are, are going to lead this sort of band of rebels to, to, to actually get the Empire and take him down. And I think when he, he does in these fucking things, especially at the end, it just shows thousands and thousands of people. And I'm thinking, why the fuck weren't you fuckers fighting with them? You know, it's like you've got about 25 ships there trying to take down this new super Death Star or whatever it is. And then you've got all these tossers who are in this, these old fake worlds. If you've got Jar Jar Binks uh. at the end on top of a roof there, which he wasn't <laughs> happy with straight away can, can uh, when, we, when they're celebrating. I, I want to keep my powder dry on Jar Jar. Yeah. So let, let's <laughs> not address that abomination. But, but I just, I just, yes, fair enough. But I just think what you said about George Lucas is, I think, as you've mentioned, Dave, and we said it, he had just mm. had lightning in a box, in a bottle with this, because he just genuinely didn't know what he'd done with these, the, the way he created this world. Because once he tried to expand on it, for me, all he was trying to do here was shoe on in these other places and cities that were all mentioned in the pre prequel. Because they, they, for me, the, the, the way it all went was as if everyone got decimated in the original prequels. And this is what you were left with this band of just sort of like, a few thousand people who could fight and there wasn't a lot of people in the unit. I know it sounds daft, but that's how I always felt. It always felt like it was a sort of exclusive club. And as you watch it, especially at the end, I was like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> well, do you know what? That, the ending, that we will talk about because there's other bits to talk about, but that ending, the celebratory ending, the original was, like you say, it was small and it was it was a lot more compact. And it was, it was never, I'll be honest with you, it was never great because it was almost a bit, like, I think I always feel like it should have ended before then. It always felt a bit cheap yeah. and tacky. But with this one, one of the problems I have with, with this ending is, yeah, you get to see sort of like uh, Tatooine and you go, all right, that makes sense. It's an, it's an outer rim planet that's probably suffered at the hands of the of the Empire. And then you go to what I assume is Naboo and then you go to all these other planets within with, that live within the Empire. They all look pretty good to me. And all I can think is, you appear to have done quite well under the Empire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure why you're <laughs> celebrating. Because tomorrow morning, the government's collapsed with no replacement. You're fucked. <laughs> let, yeah. let me just say, I mean, this is going to date this podcast potentially. But, you know, we've we've had one prime minister. We've had P Theresa May, you know, getting us through Brexit. We've now got Boris Johnson. 
he changed. Who was out dancing in the streets? Yeah, I tell yeah. you, fucking no one. Because <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. one cares. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big part in the um, in the books that I've been reading. The Aftermath trilogy I mentioned briefly before, set right after. Uh, Return of the Jedi, and it's got some familiar faces, uh, like Wedge and things like that. And it talks about what people did. And a lot of the time, people go to these planets and they go, Well, the rebels, well, look what they did. Like, this planet was dying. It was on the edge of nothing. The Republic ignored us. The Empire came in. We had some valuable resources. They put us to work. They gave us this. They gave us that. They did all these things. Rebels come in, commit, basically destroy a giant space station twice, kill <laughs> millions upon millions of people, and they'll leave us with no government and trying to randomly scramble together because they think they know how to do it better. <laughs> and it's like, to be fair, I mean, even though it's in the films, it's trying to, as we say, kind of show a bit more black and white sort of stuff. When you get to the nitty gritty of it, it is a bit like, as you guys say, like all these these planets celebrating. I think it's um, one's best spin, which kind of makes sense, you know, and Tatooine maybe, but even though I think Tatooine's got a lot more control of the huts, really. You'd think Jabba the Hutt being killed probably makes a bit more of an impact on Tatooine mm. than actually the Empire, considering obviously Darth Vader never even fucking goes to Tatooine because if he did, yeah. he'd find his bloody son. So it's like, you know, <laughs> it, it's one of those things where it's like the, the ending where it kind of intertwines the more i've got written down here with the special edition was with coruscant bespin tatooine and then in 2004 they added in naboo as well with yeah everyone's favorite gungan um i want to say my least favorite thing and um, i don't know if i'm skipping a beat a little bit but my least favorite edit i think even though there's that stupid singing bit but obviously until basically today i didn't realize it was that I didn't realize how bad it could have been. Now, retroactively, it's going to annoy me even more so that I knew it could have been. But, yeah. but um, the thing I actually dislike the most uh, is the bit where Vader uh, throws the Empire off and shouts no. Yeah, and that, like, yeah. I want to clarify. Like, yes. I want to clarify. Revenge of the Sith is my favorite Star Wars film. I think that and Empire, for me, are both equally good for different reasons, but I won't get into that quite yet. But what I found with it was that at the end of Revenge of the Sith, my least favorite part of probably the whole film was when Darth Vader comes out of his chair and goes, no, because no one ever has said that in ever. Yeah. Like, you know, if people tell their family the loved ones are going to die or have just died, they don't just go no for ages. That's not how humans or anyone yeah. communicates. So you get at the end of Empire and uh, end of Return of the Jedi rather, and you get this bit where Darth Vader's conflicted and he's being torn apart by the, his master and mentor, but also tortured and his son who can break him free out of this and had the choice that he never had and you can see him trying to make his decision and he silently picks up his old master who's also been kind of his best friend for like 20 years throws him off uh, like a bridge thing while being electrocuted to save his son it's a solemn deep and dark moment and George Lucas watching and creating that moment looked at him when you know what make that better? Yeah. Having him yell no over it. And it's like, when has that ever helped I, anything? I don't think the audience quite get it. So we need to tell them <laughs> that Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, is conflicted at this point. So he has to yell no. I was so angry. I was filled I was. with nerd rage yeah. at that yeah. point. Oh, God, that is that the worst crime he committed in this trilogy. Yes. It is, and I'll tell you what, sorry to jump across you guys, that's what I meant about the end of the film. Not all that bullshit fucking singing come by our bollocks. <laughs> it was that no. As soon as that no come in, I was like, oh my God, I've never seen this version of it. What the fuck is this shit? Because I just thought, the fact that it doesn't say anything in the original one and just does the left to right, left to right, left to right, you're like, 
pick the fucking emperor up, you bastard. Your son's going to die. And you'd be there for it. He always felt it went on a bit longer than it should have. But as soon as the no come in, I was like, oh, what the fuck is this shit? I just was totally deflated then. I just kept thinking, I just want to see the end of the movie. This is not the Star Wars I remember. And that's the thing with me as well, is that like the weird thing is I'm, I'm absolutely adamant that happened in the 2004 edit. I'm, I'm pretty certain it was quite recently because I remember specifically in my childhood a lot watching the original with that no noise bit and thinking how much of an impactful scene it is and then as a teenager-ish watching a version and not realizing i think it was when i actually got return of the jedi um on dvd because i had it on video of ages um and then because revenge of the sith was the first dvd of the star wars films i got i had all the other ones on vhs and then so they were all the, the you know the the special edition versions but not with the vader shout mm. i think i'm pretty damn certain that's what it was and then i remember a few years ago watching it and just being like what is why would you i can't it's not even like one of those things where that stupid singing scene you think okay maybe it's better quality maybe the strings hanging on the the weird dummy thing maybe you thought it was a bit dated you want to update it even though he did a bad job but you go at the no bit and you're like this added nothing it just there is a such thing which i think george lucas fails at seeing sometimes which is less can mm. be more and that's exactly what Scott yeah. mentions with the whole Tatooine thing being swarmed and crammed and stuff. But the thing is, is it, you'll see, it doesn't add anything. It's the opposite. It takes something away. Because mm. I'll be yeah. honest with you, one of the things I have in this film, yeah. is like, you know, you, at the end of Empire, we learn that there's that fantastic scene, you know, the, uh, that Luke and and Vader uh, have confronted each other and you know, you've now got this thing of sort of like, uh, you now learn that, you know, Luke searching yourself, you know it's true, I am your father. Um and, you, you know, that's the, the reveal, one of the things you learn at the end of that film. So when you go into Jedi, you're like, oh, my God, he's now going to confront this, you know, Vader with the knowledge that he is his father. So you have that tension playing out throughout the film, and then it pays off. And to pay off in that silence, that, that decision, is really impactful. Like, he chooses Luke. Yeah. And then, like you say, to have him go, no, it, it makes him sound like a pussy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Oh, it really makes yeah. Vader less of a character, um, and yeah. I, I, yeah, I totally agree. It's one of the it's one of those odd choices where again, like someone needed to filter him and be like, George, leave it alone. Can can I just pick on one mm. bit because because we're obviously I, I know we're jumping around, but one of the bits, you know, in what is in George Lucas's head is pure gold. But when he's allowed to take the steering wheel, you know, it, it just turns into shit. So, or, or it can do if he's not filtered, as, as you say. For me, going back on this rewatch, I look back at it now and I think, you know what? When Luke first goes into Jabba's palace, he's dressed in black. We've known Luke in predominantly white, right? In the first two movies, he goes in, he's dressed in black. He uses the false choke. As Mm -hmm. soon as he goes in, and you're sort of thinking, hang about this, you know, this could be an interesting angle that they could play. You know, maybe, maybe the son does follow the father. And I think they could really have played on that. And I think, you know, potentially when we get to the new prequel, uh, sorry, not the prequels, the uh, post, the seven, eight, and what could be in nine, you know, maybe that's what they're exploring. But I think here you see that Luke isn't whiter than white. 
you know, and even in Empire, you know, he's tempestuous, he's he's belligerent, he's well, not I... the holier than thou hero. And so I absolutely love Return of the Jedi, I've got to say. But I think that's more buried in nostalgia. I hear what everyone says that's negative about it. I hear that they they say, you know, he just wanted to put teddy (laughs) teddy bears in there and, you know, sell toys and whatever. I get all that, but I still love the movie. But I kind of look at this could have been really great. I was going to say, I was still on that, Dave, because you you mentioned that. There's actually more than that. And there's a couple of scenes where Mm. they do keep hinting at the fact that Luke has got a darker side. So the first one is the fact that he, he does, he, he chokes that, what do you call him? What's the guard called? A uh, Gamorrean guard. So he does, he, he puts the force guard, on. yeah. The second one is when they're on um, uh, Jabba's uh, barge thing, and you know they're escaping, like uh, Luke basically goes into what could be a tantamount to a Jedi rage. Like he's just swinging that sword around and killing everything. Yeah. And he's about to kill someone, and he gets his hand. Someone shoots his hand, and he actually sees like the robotics. Do you know what I mean? Under his skin, and it's almost like mm, it, that. That yeah. stops him. That sort of like gives him pause again. So it's like he's, you know he keeps having some something sort of like reminds him to to pull him back, and he, he does it again. I think later on in the um, when he's on the Death Star towards the end, when it's the three of them stood there, the Emperor, uh, Vader, and and Luke. And you, you know the way that Hamill plays it, and he actually gets becomes a better actor throughout this trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. mm, the yeah, the way he's playing it, he, he everything that sort of like you know the energy and the uh, like you said that impetuous sort of like um, bitch boy that he is before is gone. Like he is playing it really somber and really down key, and you can feel that there's a, there's a, a tension and an anger in him, and that's when because the Emperor can feel it. And I can sense yeah. it, and I think he plays it really well in this film. That you do, as as I as I've got older and watched it, I I do see now that the first film's called A New Hope. Like Luke is that new hope. You know, he is supposed to be. The, he is the thing that's come back. He is the return. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and he becomes the return of the Jedi. But he might not have been. And I so I think there's a real point in 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 Return of the Jedi where it could have gone a different way. I mean, it could have been. It could have gone the other way that he killed the emperor, uh, the emperor, and actually the new Sith master and uh, apprentice could have easily been Vader and, and Luke. Well, it's quite interesting uh, with two things. Which, first of all, I think uh, Return of the Jedi was actually originally going to be called Revenge of the mm-hmm. Jedi, and they changed it, um, which is a little tiny bit. But what's actually really interesting as well is one of my favourite things that I saw someone mention this online, so I didn't notice it myself. Which was when Luke beats Vader his whole sort of uh, lightsaber style changes, okay? And it's more of, he's, it does much more mm. aggressive. It does much more aggressively. And you actually notice that the only way Luke beats Vader is actually by channeling the dark side, which sounds odd. Yeah. But when you watch it, he's like, at one part, it's probably my favorite part, almost of any Star Wars film, the whole thing. I love, I've got a lot of favorite moments. But it's when, I've always got it, whenever I think of Return of the Jedi, I think how much I love it, is my, that scene where he's you know flicking between Endor and, and uh, the Death Star. And he's on there and he's fighting Vader. And then Vader says, you've got a sister. 
And then Luke goes absolutely mental. And yeah. he goes at him. And at that point, there's a bit where Vader's on the floor holding... His, I think he's had one of his hands cut off. and he's No, he's not quite yet. He's just holding a lightsaber up with one hand, heavily breathing. And Luke's lifting yeah. his lightsaber and swinging it down like an axe. And he's going... And he's like basically like not quite screaming, but he's making a lot of noise while he's doing it. And that is a really dark sidey Sith sort of thing. Someone's on the floor, barely being able to hold their arm up. And you'll slap it down as hard as you can and slice his whole hand off and that's when you know as scott kind of pointed to he has that moment where he almost takes a breath and he has to throw his lightsaber away to the emperor he goes look i'm not gonna i'm not my dad i'm not gonna do this and that whole thing all wraps up where it's like vader sees exactly what luke had the choice and vader thought he never had a choice and that's what makes the whole thing happen what makes it whole wrap up and that's what i love so much about the ending until add in the no and it just takes away just (laughs) removes a chunk of beautiful art of how perfectly crafted it all is how much thought went into everything and then george lucas bloody 10 plus years later went nah let's add a bit more yeah well then forget the no thing let's please because let's 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 talk about the good in this bit okay sorry (laughs) good because you're right that bit where luke is attacking him one of my favorite bits in this because i actually think palpatine is He's a fantastic baddie. Like he doesn't do a great deal, mm. but that moment when he's going like nuts, he just hear that good, and it's like he's got such something, a great... something. Dark yeah, side. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's that, like you say when, when Luke is going mental, and you do get that thing of like he realizes that the the Emperor's sort of like you know doing a, a Mister Burns and steepling his fingers, and he's like, ah, my new apprentice. Um, you, it's that real again. Is that something that's pulling him back? Like he could easily switch with the right, you know, uh, thing. He could easily get pushed to the dark side. And I love the fact he keeps having to be pulled back or having to stop himself. Like you know, he has to take that breath, and that's really interesting to me. Um, and I, you know, it's a shame they, like you said, they haven't really explored it in the sequels. But do do you not think they have? But the the overall Star Wars fandom hasn't. So, you know, and again, not to blow my load too soon on it, but he is grey. Could could you imagine the Dalai Lama, you know, going at Darth Vader like that? He wouldn't, would he? Oh no, no, no. Yeah, I, I don't think he's. I don't think that Luke Skywalker at the end of Jedi is is a true. Jedi. I mean, you couldn't stand him next to like Qui Gon Jinn or one of those, or you know, whatever. Uh, what's Samuel Jackson's called? One of those guys. Mace Windu. Mace Windu. Like those guys are like proper Jedi. Like no, Luke is not that. Luke is. I I think one of the most confusing things though is that Yoda says, you know, you you don't need any more training. You just need to beat Darth Vader, and then that's it. You're a Jedi. I I think that for me, confuses the whole thing because I completely I've, agree with you, Scott. Hmm. He's not a Jedi. No. I'll, I've got some explanation here. Uh, some nice... <laughs> some go- a little bit of explanation here. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, before yeah. you go into the explanation, the Halloween <laughs> costume you put on there was absolutely fantastic. So from Friday night dinner, and, oh. and I think I, I'm just imagining imagine him when you go into this explanation you're you're in that particular costume 
<laughs> where did that come from i mean thank you i mean it's quite random they came up an hour and a half conversation about star wars and suddenly by the way i really like your halloween costume thank you it, <laughs> i really it, appreciate it just, just wait where you bring out the uh the textbook and say ah oh, well actually you know in chapter 16 uh- <laughs> <laughs> i could do it i could do it in the gym voice if it makes it easier this is, well, this is actually actually <laughs> In Star Wars, you know that um, I was looking over it quite a lot, and yep. oh Wilson, yeah, that's that does it for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, Scott. I was saying, this is the only podcast that comes with footnotes. What? So what's it? What's sorry. the explanation then for? I'll try to be brief. Uh, essentially, Jedi have to go through trials, uh, and during in bef- uh, very briefly prequel original sequel era. Okay, in the sequel era, it's a bit more grey because there's not as much balance. Blah blah. It's kind of like a bit more wishy washy up in the air, chaos sort of thing. The original trilogy is a bit more black and white, good and evil. It's very quite simple. And then the prequels are more so a bit more. Uh, everything's actually okay, and it slowly falls into darkness because the Jedi are really arrogant, didn't really know a lot, um, and they basically arrogant saying Sith will never come back. The thing is, the prequels is that from that era and onward, what the Jedi used to do is Padawan would train for you know years and years and years and years, and then eventually, when he's ready enough, he would take the Jedi trials, and then eventually become a air quotes full Jedi, and then after that, you can raise to become a Jedi Knight, then a Jedi Master, then get a Padawan, etc. So in but in the Clone Wars era, they basically stopped doing Jedi trials because they were at war. So they used to just get Padawans to just basically become generals and go off and fight wars. And then that would be enough for Jedi training. So then even further from that, basically Yoda says, he's already too old. He's already too this. He's already too that. There's not really an, an easy... You can't go to the Jedi Temple now and do the actual Jedi trials, which, you know, one trial by combat, one trial by knowledge, one trial by wisdom, whatever these sort of things. Um so instead, it's basically kind of like, this is your trial. If if you do this trial, you stop being a Padawan and you become a Jedi. And and that's kind of what it comes from. But I will clarify, this is retconning. This is me, <laughs> retro- well, not conning, but, you know, retroactively putting pieces together because once again, George Lucas, you know, had a vague idea for things. But Yoda's character changes so much between the prequels and sequels, which I'm sure we'll get into in the next show. But part of that is because of having to, you know, retroactively make his character grow in a sense, but also... The whole thing that happened at the end of episode three changed who Yoda was, but Yoda, who he was in the originals, never references that. So you know what I mean? It's, so it's a bit, bit of a mess. But yeah, it's basically Jedi trial. I'm going to give it a different version. I'm going to say that because obviously Je- uh, Yoda dies at that point. You know, he, he sort mm-hmm. of fades out and becomes a Force ghost later on. I think he's just knackered and wants him to fuck off. He's just like, yeah, you're a Jedi <laughs> Knight. Go on, piss off. Leave me in peace. You know yeah, I am sick of your shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, you freaking Skywalkers ruin everything. You fucking come Book here. Off. You think yeah. you've got all the answers. I've been here for 900 years. <laughs> you know, you know, there's a line there, isn't there? Obi-Wan, after Yoda dies, and Obi-Wan's talking to Luke, and he said, like, why didn't you tell me? And he it gives him that sort of bullshit explanation as only a hologram can that, you know, he, he, he essentially did kill Anakin, which he's fucking nonsense. But it's when he it's when he says to her about Anakin and he says, I I you know, when I met Anakin, he was already um an a, a accomplished uh, star fucking fighter or whatever it is. I'm thinking, well actually no, he was about eight yeah. years old in Menace. I'm, I'm pretty fucking sure yeah. that, that that stupid pod racing the thing that he did, that was about the only thing we knew of about him. So I didn't buy that at all. I thought they obviously forgot about that when they were making the Phantom Menace because he's he's just a fucking little kid, isn't he? 
I don't think they forgot. I don't think they bloody cared. I honestly think when they we'll get onto it in the next episode, but I don't think they even watched the original trilogy when they made this when they made the prequels. <laughs> I think they really forgot. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, that's a Scott. But let's get to this. So let's move on to something I think we can all uh, happily discuss is the fight. We've talked about the sort of what goes on in the Death Star uh, in that final third. But let's talk about what happens, uh, everything else. Because I actually, I, one of the things that struck me this time is I, I enjoyed this. I really enjoyed Jedi this time. I found it a lot of fun. And, you know, we're ripping on a few things, but it's a lot of fun. I think that the ending of this film is way more exciting than the end of New Hope. Because it's sort of three levels. You've got the fight that's going on on the Death Star between Luke and Vader. You have the sort of the stuff that's going on with this, you know, almost like the, the dog fights in space and all that kind of stuff. And then you have the fighting on Endor. Um, and the great thing you get on Endor, of course, is the Ewoks. So what are people's thoughts on the Ewoks? I'm going to go last. <laughs> okay, I'll go, I'll go first then. I actually, obviously, once again, when I watched them, I was younger, so I kind of warmed to them, essentially. But it's it sounds like they are a little bit annoying. And I find that when I watch Return of the Jedi now, out of the three, I find New Hope's the slowest. Empire's probably the most consistent. I can I'm just enjoy it wholeheartedly throughout. And then I find that Return of the Jedi starts strongest, and then becomes kind of weaker in the middle and then strengthens up again at the end. Um, but the Ewoks, there's just some bits, especially when you rewatch it, where you, you, they're just in that little village and, you know, C-3PO's doing the storytelling thing. And you're like, I do not give a fuck at all about any of this. Like, not to be, like, I love Star Wars, but <laughs> literally I'm just watching it. It's like, I came here to watch the finale between, you know, Darth Vader, one of the coolest, if not the coolest villain of all time. You find his puppet master on a giant space station that's even more scary than the last one that can blow up a planet and all this stuff happening. And you're watching C-3PO blandly talk about storytelling with these weird effects put over it that I can't quite tell if they're meant to be inside him actually making the effects or if it's meant to be we as listeners hear it. Do you know what I'm on about? The, the weird yeah, yeah. starfighter and all this stuff. I think that's, that's him making, generating the noise, I think. Right, okay. Well, still, it annoyed me. And like the Ewoks are cool, and I like the fact that the good guys in their quotes get with the native species. It's got this nice little thing, but it is a bit too much ironically disney-ish before they got bought out by disney but before it was even a thought it is a bit too everything's kind of happy but i will say one of the most sobering moments is and it makes me almost tear up every time i see it which is when you, the whole battle's kind of going on when the ewoks are in full force and you watch the ewoks get murdered and you watch one of like two of them explode uh, or blow Aww, in the air and yeah. land and then you watch one of them get up and grab the other one's hand and be like come on and then it doesn't it move. Horrible. I was like, that moment absolutely kills me. <laughs> so generally with Ewoks, I'm like, meh, I, they're kind of annoying, but I do quite like them, how they're fighting the Empire. So, And I saw them as I was a kid, so I'm kind of a balanced, oh God, I'm kind of a balanced view on the Ewoks, if I'm being honest. Um, can yeah, I go next, guys? Yeah, I, again, I never questioned it. I had a couple of the figures when I was a kid. I think I had like a blue and white stripe one and that main little... Wicket. I used to watch mm. the cartoon. The, what, sorry? Wicket, that's the main one. Wicket. Yeah, the main, is that one with the brown yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. What's the brown one? Yeah, played by Warwick yeah. Davis, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Warwick Davis. Role, yeah, cause I used to have, mm. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I used to have him as a figure as well. So, so I had like a, a mishmash. I never had the complete collections, but I always had a mishmash of different figures. Now... Never had a problem with him, but I must admit, watching it this time, and I don't know if it's the reviewing eyes or Chris being the, as you, was it you put it, Scott, the, and it wasn't you, so was it the Jesse Von, uh, Jesse the body bad guy of, <laughs> no, of the Rick podcast from, uh... these days? <laughs> Rick, sorry, sorry, Rick. Yes, it was Rick. Uh, you know, I'm actually becoming the bad guy, but why, 
why did Han Solo and that offer themselves up so much when they probably had the shittiest fucking weapons to threaten him with? They had the bluntest <laughs> spears that they had in his face when free, uh, C-3PO's there doing the whole magic thing with Luke and they've got them upside down like they're about to turkey baste them and stuff and under a fire. I was just like, when I watch it, I'm like, this is shit. But when they're fighting as well... Some of their fighting's terrible. The, the fucking stormtroopers couldn't fucking uh, <laughs> throw out a wank. Couldn't they? they couldn't do anything. They can't fucking do anything. They're so fucking shit on that island. I'm sorry, on this planet. It's fucking rubbish, that end bit. But I do, I agree. I know shit on it, and it's becoming my sort of a little thing now to be a bit controversial. But I love it. I love the end bit. I love the whole thing with Luke and the temptation of grabbing the lightsaber and, and what's going on on Endor. And you've got, obviously, Han Solo's doing his bit. And again, the whole battle, you can forgive a load of the stuff that just is absolutely dated terribly now. I, I just, I buy into it. I agree with you, Mike. That bit when it, when he goes to, to pick him up and that, he's proper bad, that. He's a proper lump in the throat job. You're like, mm. oh, he's just killed him. You know, because <laughs> you don't music, see that though. a lot, do you the really? The music does it. Mm. When he reaches for him, and the music yeah. just tells you what to feel. Yeah. Clever. The score's fantastic. I've got to say across the whole three trilogies yeah, for me. And, uh, three trilogies. <laughs> it's getting late. Well, three trilogies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he's, not, he's not wrong. <laughs> you've got the, the OG, you've got the prequel, and you've got the sequel. So here you go. Here you go I, I oh, didn't no, mean you, that. You, you, you more credit there, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I have been up to yeah. three o'clock, you know. Just give me a bit of slack, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll get on to the... Um, I'll say more thoughts on that little moment. But to Dave, what are your thoughts on uh, on Wicket and his crew? I mean, I, I, you know, again, I hear what everyone says about, you know, it's overly Disneyfied and they, they try and chuck in teddy bears. And, you know, I can understand that if you were a, a slightly older than me and you, you'd been an adult, say, when you were watching the original first two Star Wars coming out, I can get why you would think that. But... Because my first experience was to go in there to the cinema and watch Return of the Jedi, I just, I, I'm just forever going to be uh, stamped with that particular view on the movie. I, I love this movie, movie for all its faults, and I think with the with the people who say you know it's just a bunch of teddy bears. These are cannibalistic, savage little <laughs> bastards. <laughs> so they are. They are just about, you know, it was a Jedi trick that basically conned them out of roasting our heroes that we watched for the first two and a half movies that conned them out of eating these guys alive. And at the end, and again, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to the music because I remember the old, the original upbeat kind of music, which was all yub nub. They've roasted and eaten all these stormtroopers. <laughs> I was going to say that. So- <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, so so I don't have any problem at all with the Ewoks, apart from I don't think we're going to get to in this podcast. But the spin-off movies, you know, Caravan of Courage, the Ewok Adventures, they were just horrendous. Mm. But I did really enjoy the cartoons that came out, <laughs> and I was all about the Ewoks. I I think they're great, and you know, Warwick Davis, you know, what a great great. Um, debut for him, and and it was great. I think um, uh, Mark Hamill, you know, he he got him all the 
previous movies and whatever, you know, so they really took him under his wing. And, and so I, I just think it's great. The biggest problem I think I have in this midsection of Return of the Jedi is when Leia says, oh, oh no, so uh, Luke initially says, and my sister has it. Mm-hmm. And she says, I've known. I think I've always known. Well, really? Yeah. When you give him a big snog in Empire Strikes Back, did did you did you know then? Because that you know, society wise, we may look at that a bit differently. Uh, yeah, uh, that it sort of that comes into it. The, the Jedi powers, like you say, are a little bit inconsistent in this film and and or in all the whole this original trilogy. So, yeah, her saying that later on when she says, you know, yeah, I think I've always known. You do sort of think, ew. <laughs> That's a, little, <laughs> that's a little awkward. Um, the only thing I was going to say about the Ewoks is I, I'm, I'm actually with you, uh, Dave, on this. I, I actually really enjoyed because it is a kids' film. Let's be honest. Uh, this is turned out to a kids' film. Yeah. And, it's a bit, and they are a lot of fun. They're great characters. They're, they're silly and they're clearly used for comedy effect. And, you know, the, the problem with them is. You, they do take a little bit of menace away from the stormtroopers. Like, you know, you can never really take a stormtrooper seriously if he can be outdone by a couple of, you know, midgets in furry costumes. It's true. (laughs) 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 Because they never... I'll just pause you there. Because there's a few times on the podcast recently when when Chris has said that, and I'm like, can can we say that now? I'm 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 not not sure. sure. Little people... (laughs) But it's true. Yeah. Vertically challenged at the time of this film. At the time of this film, that's yeah. what they were called. So maybe you can <laughs> probably, get away with probably, it. I'll get lighters, I'm sure. But the problem is, it's not, it's, it's not the fact of their height. It's the way it's filmed. And it's almost filmed sort of like for comedy effect. Like, you know, they'll have them sort of like fall out of a tree or roll up against them and knock them over. And it's almost like, Yep. And you're a bit like, oh, no, you're <laughs> supposed to be a trained crack squad of soldiers. Why haven't you shot them? It sort of it, it does make it does make me think that. But the other the other side of it is, you know, when Luke can never see that they sort of you said they win him over by he uses the force power to raise up C three PO, and then three PO gives him the whole story about the trilogy. Basically, he gives him a bit of a recap, brings him up to speed. Um, it, it's sort of like okay, that's quite cute. But the realization I had this time is you've got this small band of rebels on the planet and they are clearly thinking, oh, there's only a few of us. Do you know what we need? We need some cannon fodder. <laughs> Let's use these small uh, Ewoks that are clearly native here and just throw <laughs> as many as we can at the stormtroopers to distract <laughs> them whilst we break into the bunker. That's clearly what they are. They're there to be killed. Nothing else. Those rebels that it doesn't matter, in, especially in Return of the Jedi, it doesn't matter what the original plan was. Yeah. It always just works out. And and you know, if you think if they didn't encounter the Ewoks, well, what was their plan then? Yeah, get shot. They'd have been stuffed. Yeah, exactly. They? They, they were completely yeah. outgunned. Well, it was a trap, wasn't it? It was a trap by the Emperor initially. That's why they knew about the plans, because that was his whole plan. So basically, the Emperor didn't count on savage teddy bears, and that's the downfall (laughs) of the Empire. Yeah, and I think... Sorry, I I keep laughing in the background, but what I'm laughing at, he said, me, Jesus, Scott, is... This is nothing to do with the Star Wars, but it just reminds me of these... 
I don't know if you can get away with this, but there's a bloke at work who's intermediate porn. <laughs> There's a lot of work you should do on DVDs and he's it. And United's best goals, and his missus put it on and was like, Oh, what's this? United's best You never know. I'm pretty sure in one of those videos, there's probably someone wearing a furry costume. Don't you? Well, you never know. Warwick Davies might have done a turn in his time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. In the years between Jedi and Willow, you'd, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I've just been right up. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. And if you do want to hear more anyway. highbrow humour... Uh, head over to the VHS Strikes Back. <laughs> Chris is always available with some fucking nonsense. <sighs> <sighs> bring, let's bring it, right, bring it back on the rail. You're right. Um, no, I, I, I do enjoy that. You, I think you cracked onto it, like you say. It's, it is, it's, it's questionable in ways, but I actually really enjoy this whole third act. I think it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot more or exciting than um, I think... A New Hope's final act is like you get that you know the, what they call the land speeders and the ATSTs and the sort of all that stuff going on, um, and then you've got the sort of the battle in space and you've got the stuff on the Death Star. Yeah. Like, I just think it's it's so well done, and I'm so invested by this point that you know it, I'm I'm really hoping they win. I'm so I'm so um, backing the rebels by this point. Um, yeah, I really I'd really enjoy this film. So let's sort of, I think we've talked about them already now. So we sort of caught it down. Let, let's sort of round it. I'll tell you what we're going to round it out with. Let's rank the original trilogy in order of your favourites. So New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. What's best to, well, best to worst, I suppose. And uh, I think we'll start with Mike. Yeah, I mean, I kind of spoiled this a little bit because I said my own um, yeah. my best video earlier on. So I was hoping you'd choose me first, and then I could just I can leave. No, um, so uh, yeah, my favorite <laughs> is um, I say Empire is is my favorite, but I, I will say Return of the Jedi is very very close. I mean, as I say, I think I think the I think Empire for me is throughout is like eight out of ten, like consistently, just always really really interesting. And even the bits in Dagobah, which I found really interesting, mixed with the Cloud City stuff, that's really cool. I found that. Return of the Jedi, the start is like an eight or a nine. I just find that the middle for me, when they're before things kind of get going on Endor, when it's kind of they're still kind of pottering around, or when you first meet Wicket and stuff, it's it's plot wise is fine. But I think unfortunately I'm kind of looking at this a lens. I think you guys probably are a bit as well. Is is the rewatch lens where it's like we've all seen these films, especially I know I have so many times that you're watching it again, you still love it. But it's like for me now, the middle section of it is a bit of return of the jedi but then the end as you say with all the battle and everything that's going on and the, i think the scene with the end very very end just in the death in the throne room of uh, the death star is absolutely phenomenal end to a trilogy and i think it is an incredible film but i just think a new hope is not as good as the other two i i think it, it changed cinema probably more but as an objective film i think yeah new hope is cool and the universe is really good and it make it feels good while you're watching it and it's cool a thrill ride thrill ride but I think New Hope, yeah, is just a bit flat, I'd say, compared to the other ones, in a sense. I mean, the Death Star runs probably the 
in air quotes, kind of the big finish. But that is nothing in comparison to sort of the emotion thrill of Empire or the conclusion of Return of the Jedi. So I'd say for me, it's Empire very closely behind is Return of the Jedi and then substantially lower is New Hope. Cool. Okay, Chris, what what are your thoughts and what, what's your order? I'm glad you've came to me because I've literally just got my composure back. I've had to turn the mic off laughing. Not very funny midget joke. I'm so sorry. I've been in stitches, Mike. It wasn't at you, I promise you, but I was fucking crying here. Sorry, just amused me. <laughs> <laughs> fucking derailed the Star Wars podcast. Suck about midget Paul. But anyway, right. So um I know I've I've revealed my hand before. Um the suspense is getting me. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm laughing. I can't sleep. Jeez. Will you do, turn yeah, off the midget go. porn before you give your final <laughs> right, review? Sorry, sorry. Do it in the background. Do you want to do it in Morse code? Sorry, so that we help. <laughs> I'll text you, Scott. Right. So, my favourite is Return of the Jedi. Without a doubt, I, I don't make any, uh, I don't hide that at all. I think probably I watch that more than A New Hope. Then it is A New Hope. And then it's Empire. But I do think this time of watching Empire, I can appreciate for what it is. I was watching some or reading some of the comments on like YouTube and on some of the forums, Reddit before we did this. And and they, everybody is just saying Empire is the masterpiece. It's the, you know, and I get like what you'd said, Mike, as well, regarding I I like Revenge of the Sith as well. I think it's a great film. And I think it's one of them things now. Maybe I'll appreciate it more. Maybe I just need to get over my thing that the, the Empire actually won that film, you know, even though they didn't win the actual battle, they, they, they you know, they won the battle, they didn't win the war, but, um, you know, that's my uh, sort of in order. With the prequels, I haven't got a clue again until I watch them properly. I think we, we'll go into that, obviously, when we get into our next episode. Yeah. Okay, Dave, what about yourself? Well, I, I feel, you know, like we're going to cover all bases here. I, I think I mentioned on our, our review for the last podcast, I think I'm tainted by the order that I watched these in because I watched the original Star Wars, which became A New Hope, over and over, you know, so many times. And then I saw Return of the Jedi and I saw it in the cinema and then as soon as it was available on the, on the video, I watched it over and over again. And it was only later... I was able to piece together the story and watch Empire. I think in the years since, I've come to appreciate Empire, but it's like kind of appreciating fine art for me. I can kind of see what what, what all the good things people say about it, but I don't love it. And I think New Hope and Jedi, I genuinely love and there's just nothing, you know, we haven't spoken about that much, the music. And I think the fact that every scene, John Williams is telling you, this is what you should feel in this scene. We spoke about a little bit, you know, when the, the little Ewok dies and the, the music goes from all this upbeat, you know, the Ewoks, these cheeky little teddy bears are sticking it to the Empire and it's all going great. And then suddenly, you know, you see the the bad side to war. You know, there is death. And the music just tells you exactly what to feel. And, and I just feel that a lot more in uh, A New Hope and Jedi. And I think 
Again, I know a lot of people hate Jedi because of the way it becomes more kiddish. But I think if you go into that, you know what? This year, I watched Toy Story 4. Absolutely loved it. Not because I thought I was going in to watch something like The Joker. You know, I wasn't <laughs> going in to watch something really serious and have it question my uh, outlook on the world. It's because I go in to watch a kid's movie. And so for me, that is what I go into watching The Return of the Jedi. But for me, I'm probably in the minority. And that is because my age dates me. But for me, it's the original uh, the original Star Wars. Then it's Return of the Jedi. Then it's Empire Strikes Back. Good stuff. I think, yeah, no, it's, I'm gl- we're getting that. I'm glad we're getting some combination. It goes to show, I think, something in particular that <clears throat> we may have ripped on these films, and you know, we really have sort of picked fault with some of them. But we all love this trilogy. Like, we all love the Star Wars world and the Star Wars universe. Um, and I just want to say a, a, a sort of like, you know second what you're saying about the music. I think I've got the score for each of these films, you know, on, on CD, mm-hmm. and I listen to it. I listen to them. Often, I think uh, John Williams is one of those composers that sort of like his music. Um, <laughs> basically, is the the music of my childhood. As you said, the sort of the Superman score, the Indiana Jones march, and Star Wars. Like those things, um, just resonate with me, and they're so so good throughout this trilogy. Um, but for me, I think you know, I I used to, and for often for a long long time, I used to say the the standard thing. It was Empire. Uh, New Hope, then Jedi sort of thing. Going back and watching them now, um, Empire still stands out head and shoulders for me. I think it's it's the most well made of the three. I love the sort of the tonal shift as it sort of you know that thing of the rug pull as you start to become less and less confident about their success. Um, and then the sort of you know the sort of the fact it ends on the cliffhanger and and as Chris sort of said the baddies sort of win. I love all that. I think it's, I can go back and watch that film again and again. Um, so it sort of became between A New Hope and Jedi this time but really getting into New Hope this time I I couldn't help but feel the flaws in it more than ever before Mm -hmm. and that's not to say it's a bad Mm -hmm. film that's not to say it doesn't still echo that the you know what I love about this whole trilogy it's it's, it's a pulp it's a pulp film it's an adventure film for kids you know that's what it is it's a fantasy sci-fi film but it's so much. There's so many flaws and stuff in it now that I can't look past. That although I still enjoy it as a movie, I find that Jedi is better made. It's got a more satisfying third act, and I think the cast are more comfortable in their roles, so they're they're just better throughout. So for me, it's yeah, it's Empire closely followed by Jedi, and A New Hope actually has probably fallen in my estimations in this watch. And if I was to do a, well, we will, when we do a categorization of all of them, I actually think A New Hope has probably fallen a notch or two overall. Mm. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be inclined to agree. And that's one of the things I think I said in the VHS one, which was now trying to show people like when I have kids and I want to show them Star Wars and they'll probably hate it. Um, it's where, where do you start now in a sense? Because I do think objectively a new hope is better than Phantom Menace. I'm not, that's uh, that's not a discussion. I think anyone should really, that's definitely new hope is better, but the problem is with the newer generation. Is it that the boring and flawed start and majority of it, Phantom Menace 
compared to the end of it i still believe i'm not getting into a huge prequel discussion but like the end of phantom menace i think for me is actually more enjoyable than the end of new hope because of now there's so many things that have tried to basically either parody or do versions of the death star run mm. they're so iconic whereas the the fighting at the end of like you know phantom menace is so it's basically just i like light tapers so i just think the choreography is really cool so it's like it's it's a hard one now of like new hope just compared to the other ones i've got i wouldn't have a problem showing anyone empire or return of the jedi even at all but showing a, a young person especially now a new hope you really feel as you say scott that sort of almost mm-hmm. a clunkiness in a sense where there's the obviously it's very old and dated and also they've re-edited it about a million times but also they've done loads of bad clunky re-edits but also alec yeah. guinness didn't really want to be in it but also there's this you know, all these little pieces that when you watch the film when you love it you don't really it doesn't bother you as much but trying to be objective when you watch it compared to the other two i would be inclined to agree and just say yeah i, I obviously i was yeah. said my opinion but you know don't think it holds up as, as the older statesman of the <laughs> of the group I, I feel like I have to defend A New Hope and, and I have to just put it into the context of movies that came out. So <laughs> if we look at, you know, other movies that came out that year, we had a um, Saturday Night Fever, one of Chris's favorites, Smoking the Bandit. Mm. Now, to be fair, no, no, Chris, Chris's <laughs> favorite, to be fair David. it is a, you know, unique movie. We'll get onto that when uh, I'm sure we get to the VHS Strikes Back and what you think and what I think. But, you know, that that's grounded, isn't it? That, that's on Earth. Um, we have The Hills Have Eyes. You know, these are... This was such a groundbreaking movie. Of course it wasn't. It, it doesn't stand up to what we know now. We're over 40 years beyond when this was made we're nearly half a century beyond when it was made but this was such a groundbreaking movie i think for that you've got to kind of look at it on a curve oh no i i can mm. see what you're saying yeah, I, get yeah respect. I see what you're saying and the the thing is um i'm just checking something here but i can i can see what you're saying so you have got that thing of <clears throat> it's it I, I want to know it's groundbreaking and the reason that this is such a defining film is because it took so many opportunities and sort of went so far and so as they set it in space it's it's a sci-fi fantasy film and it's sort of it was so different however what i would also say is as you said you've got you know other films this time you've got close encounters um suspiria came out the same year all right smoking the bandit um <laughs> You know, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. we heard that. We heard yeah. that. The way you said smoking the bad. I haven't even hey, seen Scott, the film. You, you can come on to yeah. our review of that one for sure. <laughs> one of my favourites, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, The Gauntlet. Um, you've got these films in there, and that, to be fair, I may have said it, you know, in that way about smoking the bandit, but I, I will say it's 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 a film I haven't seen for years. But my point being, yes, it's different, and yes, it took chances and it pushed boundaries within the sci-fi realm. And in the fantasy realm, but that is not an excuse for some of just the piss poor storytelling that I think appears in A New Hope. I think, you know, yes, the ideas are there, but I still, this time, I, I just struggle to forgive some of the things that could have so easily been ironed out with a more competent screenplay. 
that's I think that's where I stand. I think that's, that's sort of I'm really going to get some angry tweets about this. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think with a modern lens, I I don't think you are. I, I think the film is flawed, absolutely. Um, but it absolutely did break the mold for me. So that that's why I'm going to stamp my you know my new hope flag right down and my kids will agree with you yeah. <laughs> my kids will more than you know they constantly tell me how shit new hope is um but that that doesn't that doesn't ebb away at my enjoyment of it well i think you know this episode i think we've got a great i think this and the previous episode uh where we really got into the original trilogy i think we've had some fantastic sort of varying opinions on this i'm not so sure that our opinions will vary so much when it comes to the prequel trilogy in the next episode i think we shall Ooh. see how Ooh. that goes. we'll <laughs> see i think i like the prequels a lot more than you guys realize we... i think you're right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i want to <laughs> we will definitely argue I, i'm not as a little sneak peek i genuinely attack of the clones was my childhood i had that on vhs i used to rewatch that and i want to say there are a lot of parts of that film that I used to fast forward. <laughs> Even oh. that was like my favourite film for a long time. Yeah, that's why yeah. it was sneak. Well, I'll, that's I'll, give, okay, sneak I'll give you a sneak I watched uh, Phantom Menace last night whilst I was doing some bits and pieces. And I just, the moment, I wasn't paying full attention at one point, And all I heard was, yippee! And I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> Wizard! <laughs> Wizard! <laughs> Jesus. Wizard. So yeah, we'll get we'll get into that in the next episode. So as you know, so in part three of this epic saga uh, of podcasts, uh, in the next episode we will be discussing the prequel films, uh, Phantom Menace, uh, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. So uh, guys, I'm just going to give you one last chance to to plug your wares. So Mike, uh, give us another sort of where can we find anything and everything about genuine chit chat. Okay, I'll keep this brief, unlike everything else I've ever said. Um, it's on uh, Spotify, all the usual uh, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, all the usual podcast places. It's on YouTube. No one listens to it on YouTube at all. So just to clarify, it's got like, no views on YouTube. That doesn't reflect the show. Any sponsors listening? But um, no, uh, genuinely, you can find it on any of the usual places. Uh, I've done a podcast with uh, Chris and Dave. I think it was number 63. Um, there's a huge back catalogue. And also, if you want to, if you want a place to start, you can either contact me or I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as at Genuine Chit Chat or on YouTube I have put the episodes into sort of a genre playlist so if you want more lighthearted stuff if you want more sciencey stuff if you want more stuff about religion I've got them all into different genres so it's Genuine Chit Chat and yeah go find it if you uh, if you want to listen to com- honest conversations with interesting people because that's the tagline excellent fantastic Chris what can you tell us about VHS Strikes Back well, we are available on all podcast catchers. So uh, if you want to get over there, guys, and you want to listen to myself and Dave basically review anything from the VHS era, some absolute legendary classics, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and some not-so-classics. But we usually have a lot of fun either way. So get over there, guys, and give us a listen. Excellent. And Dave, tell us about Comics in Motion. Yeah, so we look at all things that are based on comic book. Blah, blah, blah coming based media so uh i've had a few glasses of wine to be honest so <laughs> um we look at all things based on comic books so we look at uh movies and tv shows and we go into the history of kind of 
what where the comic books came from and also we go into the movie or tv background as well we chris and i we have a lot of fun doing it excellent well guys this one has been an absolute blast and i'm really looking forward to getting into the prequel trilogy next time so thank you very much guys and uh, we'll talk soon well ladies and gentlemen there you have it another great 20th century geek episode thank you for listening if you would like to get in contact to suggest topics for future shows or just chat about everything nerdy you can email me at 20thcenturygeek at gmail.com that's 20thcenturygeek at gmail.com or find me on social media Twitter, Facebook or Instagram just search for 20th Century Geek If you would like to support the show please go on your podcast catcher and leave a 5 star review I would greatly appreciate it. It raises the show in the ranks and lets more people know about the podcast. If you want to show more support for the podcast, we do have an Amazon wish list. Just go on Amazon and search for 20th Century Geek and you will find a list of books that will help with research for future podcasts. And don't forget, we love secondhand books in 20th Century Towers. Once again, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Mm